Hello, everybody. Welcome to the B-Side for the Film Stage website. Here we talk about movie crushes, not the movie crushes that made them famous, but the <laughs> ones that they made in between. And today we're going to tackle my movie crush for a long time. It's Kate Beckinsale. And it's like, I feel it's not, it's a, it's a, an uninspired crush. I feel like it's common among. I, yeah. I feel men. like, people, yeah. Anybody I feel like in our age group. Uh... Yeah. I told Connor we were preparing for this uh, pod. I told, told him how we had a, at a going away party. Um, I don't know, a few years back, I, you know, me and my wife were with our friends. I, Connor, I don't know if you were there. I don't think you were, but, but we were all um, just at an apartment having a good time. And like, me and two buddies were just reminiscing about like, oh, you know, the movies you saw, people you, you know, quote unquote, fell in love with at a younger age, whatever. And like, you know, for Kelly, my wife, that was Paul Walker. So it's, you know, we always laugh like, you know, they were in Broke Down Palace together. Paul right. Walker's in Broke Down Palace. He's the was, one in Broke Down Palace. I was trying to remember who the yeah. guy was. Yeah. Um, which that's a that's an interesting kind of Midnight Expressy movie um from the late 90s with Kate Beckinsale and Claire Danes um that was i it was funny that movie came out when that was like in vogue again return to paradise red corner yeah <laughs> um broke down palace you know different countries and what have you but like the same you know american in a foreign country gets into a bad situation finds himself in prison you know type of a thing um anyway before you think what you're going to think, we're not going to get creepy about the crush. It's as simple as <laughs> just, it, it, it was just, it's a fact, right? Like I, I saw Pearl Harbor and I, I, Connor, I know you know this as well. Pearl Harbor is a weirdly formative movie for me um, because it's Kate Beckinsale and Josh Hartnett. Right. Who are two, your, your faves, two of your faves. Yeah, who are two yeah. actors who, you know, I love. I love them. I've seen most of their work, both of them. And so it's, you know, look, I don't love Pearl Harbor really, but I do, I would be lying if I said when I, when I have rewatched it, it's a certainly in a very kind of a warm way brings me back to being 12, 13 in real life, having a, a crush with like a girl sure, going to sure. see the movie, you know, yeah, like not yeah. knowing any of it. So anyway, that's where this all stems from. So, it's exciting to talk about her filmography, um, for me at least. I think you know, this is certainly something that I wanted to do. The and she's got for a those, lot of, for those of you listening. I have a gun to my head currently, oh yeah. <laughs> virtually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I just watched the. I just did Finger Gun, and I just it reminded me of uh, the Vegan Police from Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> uh, what is what is his line? E eggs or what does he say? He's like uh, blah blah blah. It's not vegan. That's egg. It's flour and eggs, bitch, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom Jane, so good in the movie. Um, so the we're gonna do five. We're gonna keep it as tight as we can. Yeah, we're, it, we'll be brisk about it. Sure, we're gonna do five. Um, Kate Beckinsale movies. Um, it's gonna be Lisa Cholodenko's Laurel Canyon to start. It's gonna be Matthew Bright's, even though kind of half Matthew Bright's tiptoes to be second. Rod Lurie's. Um, Basically, Left for Dead movie, nothing but the truth, and not the movie's not a Left for Dead thing. It's the movie itself was Left for Dead. Dominic Santa's also Left for Dead, and that uh, the movie's kind of Left for Dead, and then actually the movie is let was Left for Dead, Whiteout, <laughs> and then finally a uh, Christmas programmer, 
that was actually released by Miramax, but after Weinstein, it was like a holdover that when I think with like Disney owned it, like it has the Miramax banner, but it's like post. Yeah, it's um, 09. It's 09. So that's Everybody's Fine, directed by Kirk Jones, who did Waking Ned Divine, if you know that movie. Anyway, so it's a very strange five that are kind of, I suppose, outside of how you would know Kate Beckinsale. So some primer on Kate Beckinsale. She's obviously from the UK. Something you might not know about her is her father was a huge star in the United Kingdom. Uh, His name was Richard Beckinsale. He died when he was 31 and he played Lenny Godber in the BBC sitcom Porridge and then um, subsequent sitcoms. And he was like a comedy, like famous comedy person in the UK. And he's obviously sadly died at a very young age, 31. And Kate Beckinsale was only like five or six when he passed, sadly. So, and and her mother was also an actress. So she comes from actors and from a, you know, a name with some fame. And she, in one thing we'll get into as we talk about this, she's very open in interviews compared to other kind of movie stars, which is very refreshing, of course. And she talks openly about avoiding comedy for a long portion of her career, more or less because of this weird specter of her father and her last name and just this feeling that maybe she wasn't worthy of comedy, which, you know, aside from much to do about nothing, which is a Shakespeare comedy. So it's a little different, obviously. Um, she, if you look, she doesn't really, I mean, I, you know, click in 06, right? Like stuff like that. Serendipity is a rom-com, but it's like, it does take a while to kind of branch out in that way. Um, she goes to Oxford. She doesn't graduate partly because, after her third year, she gets cast in a little movie called Much Ado About Nothing, directed by Kenneth Branagh. She plays Hero um, across from Robert Sean Leonard, who plays Claudio. If you know that movie, 93, Much Ado, uh, Denzel plays Don Pedro, Keanu plays Don John, Branagh himself plays um, Benedict, uh, Emma Thompson plays Beatrice, right? That was, I think, the last movie they made together before he went to go make Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and met Helena Bonham Carter and everything went wrong. <laughs> Just sad. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you this. I rewatched Much Ado yesterday and loved it. I, like, forgot. Yeah, that movie's, I, that movie's great. I had a memory of it being fun and good, but a rewatch kind of revealed it to be a bit more than that. I, I really enjoyed yeah. that film. No, that like, I, I have yeah. a fondness. I want it like that movie. Cause that was what you said. 93, right? 93, 93. So that was, I mean, that, and look, Brana, we've talked about him before. I, I have a soft spot for Brana. I understand the criticisms and I also understand, you know, the, the, the positive, um, the love for him as well. He was an interesting guy, right? He, he exploded with ham with uh henry five right yeah. in the late 80s where it was like it was orson wells ish right it was like 20s guy just like directs this very you know kind of a renegade adaptation of of a, of a great shakespeare play um and then he kind and then he does dead again right i think peter's friends in between i want to say and like He's a hot property and he, he's he's and then Hollywood wants right dead against, you know, an American production. And like 
I think Dead Again kind of disappoints. Scott Frank wrote the screenplay, but he's still kind of the Emma Thompson thing as well. Like they're both like she's right, you know, Howard's end, you know, she's in stuff. She's outspoken, right? They're just a great couple, a great British couple. And then he kind of blows it, you know, for a moment after much ado with this scandal where he basically gets with Helena Bonham Carter on the set of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's a pretty bad breakup. And then this redemptive, this, you know, like Emma Thompson needed to be redeemed, which is fucking bullshit. But like she then goes the next year, she freaking writes Sense and Sensibility, which she is gets, a great screenplay. And she gets yeah. nominated for being in it as well, which is one of the only people to ever, I think, get nominated for writing and acting in this. In oh, the I same didn't know year. she got the screenplay nom. That's oh, cool. Yeah. That's I think nice. she I think she even won, I, I think, for screenplay. I, I have to check that. Connor, maybe you can check that. But I'm anyway, point right being. Now. 1993 is much ado. Braun is really kind of still on the up. And it's and it's a very well, I think, well-respected adaptation. Um, then the, the Frankenstein picture, which we touched on last episode, kind of hits hits with a thud. She did and win. He, right. Way, for, yeah, for, for, right for, for, for right. Yeah, she won Best Adapted Screenplay. And then that was three years after. She's only won two Oscars. Well, because she won for Howard's, Howard's End. Howard's End, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then she won screenplay in 96. So, yeah, it's just an interesting little moment. And then I personally love Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. And I know that that's a little bit people... F- I, like, not, I like it too. Yeah. To, I mean, look, I'm sure this is a little controversial. For me, his Hamlet is the definitive Hamlet. And I know people will like scoff at that or whatever, but that's just my personal opinion. So that's fine. Um, I like the Hawk Hamlet. Right. Hawk Hamlet, the Michael Amarita Hamlet. It only comes out uh, four years later, uh, which is another very interesting movie. Um, and even in 1990, funny enough, is the, was the, the Zeffirelli's Hamlet with Mel Gibson, which right. was lambasted at the time. And now I feel like it's kind of, I don't know. I think it's more of a curio than anything. Anyway, that's Kate Beckinsale's first movie. Um, she quickly follows it up with a couple other ones. Uh, one I started to watch, Prince of Jutland, also called Royal Deceit. Which do you know about that movie, Connor? Is that the one? Is that with she? She so she in one of the interviews, I think the SAG interview, she really r- rags on it, right? Because um, that's 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 the one that is with Hamlet, Christian Bale. Right? Well, yes, but what I didn't know, and I started watching it today. It's Hamlet, but it's the Danish legend of Prince Amleth, which predates right, it's Hamlet. The, it's the story, right? That like, right. inspired. It's Hamlet. a it's it's a it's a Scandinavian legend, right? That's it's like a Danish tale, and so it's like it's you know it's almost like the Tristan and Isolde thing. Remember that where it yep, was like yep. before Romeo and Juliet, there was Tristan and Isolde, right? So I mean, look, that's the thing, you know. Shakespeare, probably the most influential, greatest writer in the history of letters, right? Or whatever, however you want to phrase it. It's not like he wasn't influenced, you know, himself, right? I mean, these tales, they they live on and on. So it that movie, uh, Royal Deceit, directed by Gabriel uh, Axel, who did Babette's Feast, right? Danish yeah. filmmaker, yeah. Uh, which I, I also watch Babette's Feast, it, just because I had never seen that. That won the Oscar in the late 80s. It was a debacle by all accounts, and Kate Beckinsale speaks very openly about um, it not being a good it's movie. That 2016 uh, SAG interview is great. I'll link to it yeah, um, in the article. D- Dave Carter would... gives a great interview with Kate Kate Beckinsale. Uh, right, well, her... it's, it's right after she she's in Love and Friendship at well, the time. Well, yeah, I, and I would say any interview she gives – 
in 2016, end of 2016, when she was kind of doing the award circuit for Love and Friendship, which let's be clear, it is a crime she was not. No, she's so for. she's so good. That is a career best performance. Right. And she's so good now. Well, movie. I would argue her too. I mean, look, like I said, I've seen most of her work. I think she's underrated, basically. I would argue her two best performances, and I don't know who would even. I mean, I feel like this is pr- probably agreed upon. Her two best performances are in her two Whit Stillman movies, right? The Last Days of Disco and, and Love, Love and, and Friendship. Friendship. Yeah, where and it's like a very specific character she's playing. It's like charming, manipulative, cunning. You know, smart, cunning, smart. You know, cunning. Yeah. You get it. She, she crushes. Um, and so Last Days is 98, I believe. Um, Love and Friendship is 2016. Crimes, you didn't get nominated. But anyway, she did the award circuit that year, 2016. And any interview in that realm is a very kind of honest, like, reflection on her career. You know, she talks about her relationship with Len Wiseman, who, you know, she made the first Underworld with. Um, and they were, you know, they, so I have one thing I forgot about underworld, Michael Sheen's in that movie, right, who she which was, is she was with, with and had yeah. a child with, and then ended up marrying, marrying Len yeah. Wiseman. Yeah. And then she talks about how they basically made underworld evolution, the second movie, so they could spend time together because they had, they were, had just started a family, yeah. which I think is just, and obviously screen gems was like, yeah, please make a second one. Like yeah. this small <laughs> horror action movie, like overperformed by about fifty million dollars. Please go ahead. Um, anyway, so it is very sorry. Just with those two movies, because I, yeah, re- yeah. I rewatched them. It is crazy too, because like it, it, it does feel like I mean the the stones on the first movie, and I don't know if you've rewatched it anytime recently or whatever. No, oh, I re I rewatched. I, I tweeted about it. I rewatched most of them. Within the last uh, two months, I think okay. they're on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. The I, first, I, I like those movies. I, well, so the, yeah, and I, I was gonna say, there's the thing, the interesting thing about the end of the first movie is it is really kind. Of, and for you, listener, if you like, if you've seen the movie and don't remember or whatever, it ends in a way that is like, oh, this is gonna continue immediately, right? Like it ends sure. with this kind of flex that's like, yeah, there's gonna be a sequel well, out so- next year. <laughs> Yeah, and so if you and don't then two know, two years later, evolution you, comes out, which is nutty. But. Yeah, you probably know about Underworld, obviously, and we should say, look, these B action franchises like your Underworlds, Resident Evil, right? Mm-hmm. These types of kind of uh, uh, the franchises. What does get forgotten, and is very important, and Kate Beckinsale has talked about this, is like. Those are two iconic action heroines that are basically like we, t- we were talking about this before. Her recording. and Mila Jovovich, you mean? Her and Mila Jovovich, yeah. but but the franchises themselves sure. as well. Like you're talking about, it's like Sigourney is Ellen Ripley, Linda Hamilton is Sarah Connor, right? Carrie Ann Moss is Trinity, and then and then I mean, seriously, right. yeah. Kate Beckinsale, Celine. And Mila Jovovich as whatever her name is in that movie. I don't. I don't I'm not a resident. Alice, guy, so I think is. I believe name. it's Alice. Yeah, that's probably Alice. right. And so you know, say what you will about the movies themselves, but I I like the Underworld movies, and I like that it's this iconic character that that now she has ownership of, and you know they've made five of them. She's in four. She's actually in five because she 
she's at she's at like a she's in a tag at the end of uh, the third movie but the lead is rona mitra that's like a prequel which is the uh, other weird thing and i didn't michael I, sheen is in the rise of the lichens because yeah. it's like it's about you know the him. underworld's about vampires and werewolves so we're not talking about the underworld <laughs> movies but <laughs> sorry but it's i, I, but, I sent us off on a, t- on a tangent no it does but, i will say this it does uh the first two star a julie mecca favorite Speedman, Scott Speedman. Which, if you know, <laughs> once again, if you know Julie Beck, Scott Speedman is right. Is like a totally has Julie right there. has Julie seen uh, the Strangers. Oh, Julie Mecca has seen the Strangers. Uh, which, by the way, Halloween has passed us. I always get a little upset. I'm not like I said. I'm not a horror guy. I always get a little upset that that's not considered a classic. Is the Strangers not? is. I is it? I, 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 mean, it is. I don't know. For me, it's like a staple. Like it's the like, strangers I, is. I mean, once again, I'm no expert. That movie shook me. No, that movie's to the core. that movie's great. Yeah, that movie's Liv great. Liv Tyler, Scott Speedman has that. They're both very I think good in it. That indelible line where like Liv Tyler is getting tortured spoilers are you know about to be and she's like why are you doing you know why are you doing this be- to us? because you were home because you were home that, isn't that, isn't that not chilling. The fe- is that not everybody's it's fear chilling. like i yeah. i stay up at night like worrying about versions of I, two that nights type ago of thing. so like, we yeah. are as of this recording this is the day after halloween but t- two right. nights ago i was talking with my wife and we were like thinking about what to put on and uh and I offered up the strangers. I was like, "Oh, you know, right. it's Halloween time, whatever." You the didn't offer up the straight. strangers. Pray at night. Oh, well, that was first, and then she shot the right, 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 um, right, right. No, but I offered up the strangers, and she like vaguely remembered it and was kind of like, "No, but like, tell me all about it." Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than put the strangers on, I just like told her about the movie. <laughs> sure. And well, then, I don't know. That, I mean, like, I don't know just... that I would rewatch it i mean like i said i don't have the stomach for the like i saw that it's in been the a theaters. couple of years it's been a couple of years for me i own it like i've rewatched it and i've around halloween time i have put it on before but yeah it's the, i feel like the last time i actually like sat down and watched it front to back has been probably a couple of years ago um yeah that's a good one but anyway so back to all back of, sale. all of this is basically so so what i think one of the most interesting things about kate back and sale is her, how her career's changed, right? Because basically, you have much to do. She does Cold Comfort Farm that uh, John Schlesinger directed, which is kind of a comedy. It's like a fish out of water comedy in '95, uh, a TV movie in Britain, uh, theatrically released in the U.S. Um, and then she's in period stuff, like she's in Last Days of Disco, which is you know the disco era, so a little different. And then right before the underworld of it all. She's in The Golden Bowl, a Merchant Ivory movie. It's a Henry um, James story. Which I have not seen, actually, shamefully. I should, I should, because I, I love Merchant Ivory and I, and I love that stuff. I have not seen The Golden Bowl. Um, and then Pearl Harbor, obviously, is a World War II period drama. And she's spoken openly about Michael Bay basically telling her she wasn't attractive enough and her whole image, literally physical image, changing with that movie, right? Like they literally like slimmed her down, like tanned, tanned her skin, right? Like it made her more buxom, all this stuff. But then she also comments about how they did the same thing to Ben Affleck uh, in Armageddon where they, and I, I don't think I knew this. They the like baby literally, teeth story? yeah, they gave him new teeth. Yeah. He like made him, yeah. He made him get false teeth because he, Michael Bay quote yeah. unquote said Ben Affleck had baby teeth. 
And what I like about Kate Beckinsale in, in telling that story is it kind of got relitigated when everything, you know, everything, the Me Too movement uh, picked up. And I did like she handled it basically. And look, if there's some some terrible quote I'm I don't know about, I'm, I apologize. But what I've read, I liked how she kind of couched it. Was like, look, I don't, I support this movement, of course. This is this is not that. She was kind of like Michael Bay, for and obviously he has other things he's done. But in this specific instance story, yeah. she was like, Ben was a help to me because it, he went through it. So. To, to gender specify it would be to discount the fact that I think, you know, in this case, Michael Bay is just a guy who, and this is not a surprise, a bit tyrannical in his vision, whatever that vision is, and kind of very Hollywood in kind of whatever it takes, whatever it costs type of a thing, whether it's Ben Affleck and Armageddon, whether it's Kate Beckinsale and Pearl Harbor. Anyway, all that's super interesting. So after Pearl Harbor, everything changes, right? Because she takes Underworld 02, it becomes a surprise hit, and she becomes like mostly an action star. Yeah, there's like the, well, I mean, and this is this period too, right? Like the the 01 is basically like her moment. Like that's where it's like, oh, we know who Kate Beckinsale is, right? Like she's yeah, in, I mean, I she's would in wager Pearl Harbor, most, right? Most she's people didn't know. Yeah, most people didn't know who most Americans didn't know who Kate Beckinsale was before Pearl Harbor. She auditioned for it. It wasn't like you know, she wasn't a name. Right. You know, she was certainly the third most famous person amongst the three. Like if you look at the poster for Pearl Harbor, Ben Affleck has the above the. T- it's not like a three title. It's like Ben Affleck, Pearl Harbor, and then when the movie starts. You find out about Hardnett and Beckinsale. They were young, they were younger, right? Like yeah. less lesser known. Um, so, uh, yeah. Amongst all this, oh, and Serendipity, which I love, love, love. I, I'm one of those people who love Serendipity. The thing about Serendipity, and she also talks openly about that, is that's also one like you said, Connor. But it does get buried sadly because of 9/11, and is one of the first movies to come out after that tragedy. It's obviously set in New York. They that that was one of the movies where they digitally removed. Twin right, Towers, it was like one of the right. first movies to have to do that. I think yeah. it was the first released actually, Serendipity, and it doesn't do it does okay um, if you look at the receipts, but it's obviously become a classic modern rom com, and I think probably one of her most well known roles. Um, you know. 15 years later you know and uh, then well no i mean yeah and then 20 years the later, next yeah. year she only makes one movie which is our first b-side which is laurel canyon uh in 2002 yeah um, which look i want you to tell us about this movie because i'll just say <laughs> you had a more interesting time rewatching yeah. it I, I will simply say this about it before you jump into it if you look on my letterbox, if you follow me, I have my favorite films list. There's like 800 films, right? They're my five-star films. Laurel Canyon's on that list, right? Now, I like Lisa Cholodenko a lot. I love uh, Olive Kitteridge. I love Laurel Canyon. I don't love The Kids Are All Right, actually. But for me at a young age, at an impress- impressionable age, Cholodenko uh, made two movies that I saw just like on cable. And it was high art and uh laurel canyon those movies were very like impressionable and 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 caught me at the right time where they kind of explore sexuality right for a straight white kid in the suburbs essentially right 
it's a you, you go like oh okay right i've talked about gods and monsters as well and being a formative yeah right where you see these movies sure. and you know they become special to you because they're opening your mind right like, yeah, this, yeah, yeah this is why you should find these movies now why i want you to talk about it is you watched it with your wife Brittany, and i think you guys maybe had a different experience and, and i love that so I will, I will, uh, I will hand it over to you. Yeah. So basically, uh, Little Canyon's a film where every, all of the leads except for one of them is doing an accent that's not their own, which is just funny to me. It's they're all, I mean, they're fine accents. It's not even like bad or whatever. It's just like a, a funny thing. We should but, say Kate Beckinsale does amazing accent work. We should say that. No, no, no she, and that's something she's in in general. Yes, I mean, in is general. good at. Yeah, 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 yeah. agreed, agreed. Um, but yeah, so it's Francis McDormand, Christian Bale, Kate Beckinsale, Natasha McClone. McClone? McC- no, 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 Natasha McElhone. Who, McElhone? Okay. Who we're, to- we're talking about for the, the second time in three episodes, <laughs> which I love. I love. She'll, I feel like over the course of this, however long this podcast lasts, maybe we'll have tackled all well, of her what's great is we're What's great is, and we haven't told the listeners this, next our next episode, we're talking uh, Californication only. So right. yes, it's that's, a full Californication yeah. episode. Yeah, we're pivoting our whole uh, podcast. Whatever yeah. subscribers we had are gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but yeah, Natasha McElhone, uh and Alessandro Davola are kind of your main kind of, you know, your main cast characters. And Christian Bale plays Sam. Kate Beckinsale plays Alex. They are engaged uh christian bale is studying to become a psychologist um he's in the middle of doing his kind of residency um and he's i they mentioned the specific school but basically because of its location he winds up going to uh he winds up going to la to stay with his mom and kate beckinsale and his mom is francis mcdormand who uh, plays Jane, who is a like storied record producer, uh, kind of a wild child type thing. Um, and, and Christian Bale is, you know, he's kind of a stick in the mud. He's uptight and he's essentially just embarrassed by, you know, just unavoidably embarrassed by his mother, even if she's not even that particularly embarrassing uh, necessarily. But uh, but yeah, Kate Beckinsale, who's kind of this she's in the middle of studying her uh, for her uh, doctorate doing her dis- dissertation uh she is a is it genealogy what is it yeah it's like it's like something it's something like, like it's something like that uh i'm i'm getting the term wrong i know for a fact because i when she says it in the movie i'm like oh yeah um but she's doing uh she's doing her dissertation uh working on her dissertation while they're staying with Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand is working on a record with Alessandra Navola, who plays uh, a rock star named Ian McKnight. Would it okay, and- <laughs> so wasn't it did it every time they played now Sparkle Horse is the band that does the music that right. Ian McKnight, for but Ian McKnight's band. What's yeah. funny is in the movie, the only person I could think about was Chris Martin from Coldplay. No, yeah, it's I feel like that's what they're going for. Like it I feel must like, be. I feel like it in the fiction of the, in the fiction of the movie, it's I was gonna ask you about this actually. I, in the fiction of the movie, the vibe I got was like, oh, this is like a parachutes era cold. Well, because like this, it's O2. It's O2. Like, yeah, right. So, so, so they're, they're, this yeah. is back when people liked Coldplay. No, 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 whatever, right, right, right. Which, you they, know, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, and they were like a little I, bit look, more of like, I, 
I still love Coldplay, so fuck, <laughs> fuck y'all. But, but, um, but when everybody still thought they were cool or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, no. But it's, it made me but laugh. It's, yeah, it feels like that kind of vibe. Um, I don't think the song is particularly good. Granted, that's oh, no, kind no. of the point. Obviously, like they they're trying to find their way through this single that is not good. And basically, the gist of the the gist of the and story. I will is, the, sorry, the yacht. The, I will say. <laughs> I still love the movie for my own personal reasons. The yada yada yachting of like them finishing the album at the end of this movie oh, yeah. is like some of the yeah. funniest shit. Where it's... they're just like, "We did." He's like, "We're not going to do it. We did it." No, like right. that's literally. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's a. Li- I don't know. This movie, like a lot, I feel like like a lot of indie movies in the early two thousands, you, you just you're swinging for like a lot of ideas. You're, you know, like for instance. We laugh now at a movie like Garden State, and we should, right? But I, there, it, it is a funny thing because you look at a movie like this and other movies like this. We talked about, you know, uh, way back, we fucking De Niro and shit. Well, right, no, but way back we talked about like, uh, you know, like United States of Leland, like all these movies that like came out oh, around yeah. this time that just were, you know, it was like a, it was like a boom for, for like indie art house movies and they're all swinging at these big broad ideas and and squeezing in a bunch of different stuff and i feel like this movie has a little bit of that going going on and i think one of the things this movie leans into as kind of the everything progresses essentially the the gist of the conflict of this movie is kate beckinsale uh, you know, not unlike 15 year old Dan Mecca, maybe watching this movie or something. Indeed. Kind indeed. of just has her eyes opened a little bit by, by Francis McDormand, both kind of intellectually and sexually and all sorts of stuff. And she basically winds up having this affair with both Francis McDormand and to a degree, Alessandra Nivola. Meanwhile, Christian Bale is essentially having this emotional affair with Natasha McCallum, right? Who is a, a colleague of his. And right. she's supposed to be Israeli, I believe. Yes. Um, and her name is Sarah. And so I would I, love Gal Gadot to weigh in on that accent. Yeah, I it's, I mean, it's I hard for I me say, to parse. I say everyone's doing fine accent work, and I say that only because yeah, that's hard to, yeah, that's to my untrained ear. I mean, yeah, like Christian Bale does a fine American accent. Same back in sales doing fine work. Navola is the only one who feels a little bit like I so badly wanted Alessandro Navola to like break into like, we got to do something like he's a little uh, what the fuck is that character's name? Oh, Ian McKnight. No, no, no! But the the fucking from uh, oh, the oh, Greek. oh, oh, I can't, God! I can't yeah, think uh, get him to the Greek. All the snow. It's a little all the snowy. He feels a little. He feels. He feels a little. We gotta do yeah. something. <laughs> he feels a little all this snow in this movie. But I. But whatever. It's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't really like this movie, but I can appreciate a a, a movie where someone's like, well, you know, not all, none of these people have to be likable, and there are movies that can do that, right? And there are movies that can yeah. like that can put people in front of you that feel human and feel real and whatever. But to a certain degree, it's weird when the movie wants you to start to sympathize with certain characters after they've done something incredibly shitty and, and, and expect some kind of sympathy. And it's a little weird when you're just like, and it's just like, so I guess, should we spoil it a little, a little? I mean, I don't think we need, I mean, the the relationships in this movie go to a certain place that I just realistically, if you are these two people, Christian Bale, Kate Beckinsale in this situation, right? There's just 
no way you get around it, right? Like there's well, just... but and I think it's how you also read the ending as well. Like because right, it it's depends. a very open ending. It's very Sundancey, open ending. Yeah. Like like Kelly, my wife would go nuts at the end of this movie because like she would be like, "What? Like yeah, you, what happened? No, like, yeah, what? there's Brittany no was kind of, Brittany was kind of that. Like when it ended, we were like, "Oh, okay." Like and and it is, yeah. I mean, almost offensively open ended, yeah. where you're kind of like, "Oh, what?" Like it's like very, but I think you know, viewer's choice. I read it as a very, like, like you're saying, like nobody's like the kids are not all right. No, like, right. Like, Every, like, everything like that's transpired in the movie. Yeah. N- nobody's going to be okay. Yeah. And like, not even, not even okay with each other, but you just get the sense of like, like, like the resolution of the movie is like, they're, everything's no, blown up. Like, yeah. 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 Right, and which, right. which, which, okay. That's like, that yeah. is a way to end a movie. It's fine. Um, but no, but look, you're, you're right about this. I think the one thing I took away from this is like, I'm not going to change here's, and this is how I think I saw the flaws, but I can't take the five-star rating down because I would be lying. It would just be a lie. Right. It just affected you. And it's a thing that's just always going to have a special place in your Yeah. And it's like the reason, if you look at my list, it's the reason Elizabeth Town's on the list. It's the reason Cocktail's on the list. It's the reason You, Me, and Dupree is on the (laughs) list, right? Like these are not perfect movies. I would never assume to say that, presume to say that. Well, Cocktail is a perfect movie. Well, Cocktail, yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize about the bit about your kung fucking kids. He's a barman and a poet, dude. Come on. He's a barman he but, works in a jail um, bar. That's a great scene. Um, <laughs> I love all the scenes where they play basketball. Him and Brian Brown as well. Um, Tom Cruise shooting is like yeah. uh, just is like a chef's kiss. Anyway, um, so Tom, here's how you play basketball. No, um, <laughs> so what I, but anyway, so yeah, I I would not change my rating because it means too much to me. But I think what's interesting is if you look at Sholodenko's career, she makes all the Olive Kitteridge adaptation for HBO many years later, in yep. which Franny McDee plays Olive Kitteridge. And I almost feel like the lesson she learns, and this is totally conjecture, but Frances McDormand is a part of the ensemble of Laurel Canyon and is so clearly the best part of the movie yeah no and, she's she and, and I, I would argue kate beckins i would argue the two female the two of the three female leads co-leads are the best parts I yeah think Beckinsale, no, I, I agree. what she's doing it's very understated it's very complicated i think is the type of performance that will never get any credit and i think she has a lot of these actually where it's like she's doing a lot with a little yeah um and, and has and to look, bring but, stuff to like having to bring a i i I actually think Christian Bale is the weakest uh, of the of the five, which is interesting. I don't think he's even necessarily no, poor it, in the movie, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a tough character. He's a he's a wet he's, blanket. Yeah, and you it's, know, it's, and it's hard because like, it's sort of a – I mean, I will say like points to him for even like taking a role Taking like a role. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's yeah. a highly unlikable character. And look, and remember, this is only a year after Captain Corelli's Mandolin, so everybody was just like, oh, Christian Bale. I mean, who is this guy, Christian Bale? It was after Reign of Fire, was it not? Or did but that... also, un- poor, uh, sadly was that underseen. Was the same year? Reign of Fire. Fire. S- sadly underseen yeah. movie, though. Um, I think it was, I think I think Reign of Fire was 02 as well, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to his Reign of Fire co-star in a second. Um, but basically, yeah, I don't know. I th- With Beckinsale, I, I agree. I think she's good. And it, frankly, like, maybe in basically all of these movies but one right she's good i think you and when you say one you mean the next one yes yes yeah. and well 
she is not alone. I mean, no, it's a good no, no, no. It's it's yeah. it's, it's a good segue. Yeah. I'll just say I'll just say before we do the segue, my point is simply: if you watch Olive Kitteridge, that the four part miniseries, yeah, Francis McDormand is just hitting home runs like for four hours, absolutely delivering one of her best performances. I think yeah. she won the Emmy for it. Like just well, she Chol- she's Chol- leading Chol- into Anko. the thing that she, yeah, Chol- that she Anko- does. Right, Cholene yeah. goes like, Franny, go, just go, like yeah. play off of every character, and she is just—I cannot say enough good things about that. I mean, I love that miniseries. I have not read it, uh, the source material, material, but I, this movie getting to that piece of work is—you know what I mean—is yeah. like an example of how careers can blossom and whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think uh, before we move off of it. Um, and I, I can still use this yeah, before we tip before we tip <laughs> before we tiptoe off of it. Um, no, I think with this movie, I would say if you're if you like any of these actors and you want to see them, it is I think it is worth it for the Francis McDormand performance. Like I do think it's kind of like I I could kind of pick apart this movie here and there for little things, but like I think her performance is basically kind of unimpeachable. I think she's great, um, and even like you know it. it it's the kind of performance that those in her orbit both like suffer from and are bettered by it kind of like it's like they suffer in comparison but whatever good you feel like is eking out of them is probably because she's like being so generous um but and and i think beckinsale is one of those performances she gives it she gives a fine performance and there's a moment near the end of the movie where she and bail after all of this after everything's just detonated uh have it out and it's it's the it it's a weird scene because it's doing a thing that the movie I feel like is consciously avoiding, you know, to its to its betterment, it's avoiding it. And then when it happens, it's just a very like actors acting kind of break, yeah, the last, breaking the down, last, crying, like big The last ten minutes of this movie of Laurel Cannon are are not like if you're going to end it the way you end it, why not end it 10 minutes before? Yeah, that, I guess that's yeah, that's kind of the thing. It, it all turns I mean? into the climax of this movie is basically a lot of acting with an A type stuff. I don't know what happened. I got caught up. I got confused. Confused? I got it. more like it. I didn't think. I, I didn't think. I, 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 I never learned. Learn what? This. This? What is this? How to fuck up! Oh, you were fucking mastered it out of the gate. It didn't mean anything to me. I don't want it. I don't want them. I don't feel anything for them, and I don't want them. I don't want either of them. I want you. I want to be with you, you fucking asshole. You fucking stupid, stupid fucking asshole. asshole. I'm fucking keeping this together. I'm fucking trying to keep this together. I want to make it right. And it doesn't. I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt the movie any. Like, oh, I see. Oh, I see the trans. I see the transition. Yeah. of a mile away, acting with today. Yeah, Connor. What are? <laughs> yeah, what are other it, movies? It doesn't. Acting it with today? certainly doesn't feature anybody in the perf- in the role of a lifetime. Uh, unlike no, I, our next film, <laughs> <laughs> which is 2003's. So she oh, does. Yeah. We well, just for context. Beckinsale does Underworld, right? Obviously, that is the truth, like, hit of, like, it's a surprise hit um, and is, like, oh, here is Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. Oh, yeah, I sorry. I keep saying Underworld. I think I kept saying earlier Underworld was 02. It's 03. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, 
this underworld i think is where she truly arrives as like oh we like above the title kind of stuff right and just for context underworld the first one it basically costs 20 and it yeah. makes a 100 right so it's just like yeah classic a-, a classic screen gems movie right yeah genre kind of modestly budgeted high concept right mid-level star right and then it's like boom right like screen yeah. gems you know which is a subsidiary of sony but screen gems has made their banner you know what i mean for decades now this exactly right, right? like so, don't spend so, too much and if it makes a hundred it's a hit right like it's yes. like yeah right. and um and i think yeah no and it's and you know we, we don't have to harp on underworld but um comes out it is what it is it it starts a franchise right so whether you like it or not there's certainly something to be said for that and then uh she moves and does uh matthew bright's you have for, you have forgotten him the way that Hollywood, Hollywood has forgotten, forgotten him. So he just for context, you know, because you're like, who would let this dude make this movie or whatever? Um, he made Freeway, right? So going into this movie, it's the and, type he, of thing. and he made Freeway too. Confessions of a Trick Baby. He he made both of them. Oh, did he really? I didn't know yeah. that. Okay, yeah. But basically, he, you know, he's he's like a. Uh, He's kind of this renegade filmmaker. He's like an infant terrible, right? He's yeah, like he's yeah, like a, yeah. you know an American indie and, like and, and, ooh, and, and, yeah, know. like a provocateur, and um and basically that and Beckinsale sort of said as much in that Dave Carter interview, um, where she you know that's part of what gravitated her towards this thing. Like she was and, well, and not how, unlike not unlike Royal Deceit being by you know the guy who did babette's feast right yeah. sometimes actors are like oh yeah that's an interesting right. idea and, and, that you know and to her at least in her defense with this film tiptoes and listener if you don't know what tiptoes is just take a second look up the trailer for just look up tiptoes 2003 on youtube well i was gonna ask connor and, and you can cut this out but i was gonna ask if you wouldn't mind dropping in a little bit of the trailer here all right sure carol and steven's life together was perfect I've got to get going. Right this second? Hey, baby. Hey, sweetie. I love you. There's one small problem. Hi, I'm Ralph. I'm his brother. We're twins. Are your parents, um... Yeah. It can tear them apart. I think you're gonna let me know that everyone in your family's a midget. They're not midgets, Carol. They're dwarfs. Whatever. Or bring them together. Hey, welcome. I'm Steven. Oh, there you are. This is Steven's father, Bruno, and his mom, Kathleen. And over behind the bar is Steven's brother, Rolf. Hi. You could have prepared us for this, don't you think? If you embarrass me, I'll never speak to you again, so just get it together. How's that fucking drink? I think maybe I'm pregnant. When the going gets rough, it's only the size of your heart that counts. Would it really be that big of a deal if our kid was a dwarf? You knocked up this great girl, and you didn't tell her that her baby's probably gonna be little. I'm not like you. We are so cute and cuddly. Don't discriminate against us. You said these parties got a little wild. I never expected this. There's sure a lot of midgets around here. You better back off, Goldie Hawk. My man can do what he wants to do. <laughs> I'm ready for an adult relationship. What is this man doing in your bedroom? Ah! 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 A walk down the aisle. Ah, uh, Steven's a, he's a very lucky guy. I just hope he's smart enough not to screw it up. Is just a beginning. There'll be rough patches, there's no doubt about it. 
Canal Plus and Langley Productions proudly present command performances from Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey, Patricia Arquette, and in the role of a lifetime, Gary Oldman. Tiptoes. And you've heard it. You've heard about Gary Oldman in yeah. the role of a lifetime. Um, it's... <clears throat> It is insane. It's truly like I uh, and we'll link to this in the article. There is a pretty good, um, concise, complete, uh, not oral history, but but history uh, yeah, of tiptoes. Yeah. Uh, from, a Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. From a few from a few years ago. And uh, we'll, we'll link to that. It's a good it's a good. Yeah, it's been Ben Falk wrote in 2016 a pretty good like this is the story of tiptoes. This movie you've never heard of with all these stars. Yeah. You know, it's just a good and Matthew Bright it has is quoted in the movie and you know what I mean? A couple yeah. producers. So yeah. Yeah. And it's basically so it's Matthew McConaughey, it's Kate Beckinsale, it's Gary Oldman, it's Peter Dinklage, it's Patricia Arquette. Those are kind of your mains. Um Matthew McConaughey is one set of twins with Gary Oldman, and Gary Oldman and the rest of Matthew McConaughey's family are dwarfs and he's the only average sized person uh in his family and he has kept this from his now this i'm going to use my words carefully here his girlfriend then fiance very quickly and i'm going to come back to that in a second but (laughs) he has kept this from his his significant other kate Beckinsale, who's an artist yeah, and well, let's just say we're going to spoil this movie. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. We have to. Yeah, a hundred percent. And look, if you if you want to watch it, and it is, I mean, weirdly, I would say it is kind of it's worth the watch. Like I don't know, it's it is crazy. So like, if you want, uh, if you I, are, we will we will disagree on that. <laughs> I just my think if you're if you're someone who likes like a fun bad like. Like, I don't know. Like, See, okay, well, that's, that's interesting that you say that. Okay, I'll let you keep going. I, I, I don't know. I was fully engaged while watching this just for um, myriad reasons. But Interesting, <clears throat> interesting. But um, that said, basically, the movie opens, uh, McConaughey, who uh, plays uh, – what is this? Steven. Oh, Steven. Sorry, Steven yeah, plays Steven Bedelia. Bedelia. He is visiting his family – um, at a convention for little people, an annual convention for little people. Um, and he does not tell Carol, his his girlfriend, about it. And you get the idea that she sort of semi-playfully suspects like he's two-timing her, you know, and she kind of gives him a hard time about it. But there's like this nugget of like she thinks there's definitely something going on because he's keeping this big secret. And the secret that he's keeping is that his family are dwarves. And the basically the other half of this movie is sort of the Gary Oldman Dinklage half and Gary Oldman plays, as we said, Matthew McConaughey's twin brother, even though he's 11 years older than Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Um, But uh, he plays a little person named Rolf and he and his companion Maurice, who's Peter Dinklage, who is this, Frenchman, I suppose that that Rolf knows they are on their way to this convention. They pick up a hitchhiker who is played by Patricia Arquette, and they wind up converging at the uh, all converging at the convention. And you get the idea that you know Stephen and Rolf don't really speak too much; only see each other seemingly once a year or whatever. 
and that Steven wants to, you know, me, you know, it has a good relationship with his family in general, right? Like all, all things considered. And, um, and basically, ultimately he gets back from this convention and he finds out that Carol is pregnant, right? And suddenly it hits him like a ton of bricks because dwarfism is genetic and he immediately knows the odds, you know, uh, and the cat essentially comes out of the bag. Right. Now, I just... Look, not, not a horrible premise no, for a and, movie. No, and if handled correctly, c- could still... Even with this cast, I mean, the Gary Oldman of it all is the worst thing about the movie, right? Because... But even, you know, but even, like, Peter Dinklage is quoted, I believe, in that Yahoo article where he basically says, like, look... I had no problem with it. He's Gary Oldman. He can do whatever he wants. But, of course, we were aware it might be a bit, you know. And, th- and that, to me, it's like, I don't know. If you're Oldman, and I like Gary Oldman, right? But if you're Oldman and you feel in your bones, like he, Ma- Matthew Bright had to basically, like, consistently coach him into it to be like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because he, like, would feel bad about it, Right. And it's like I don't know if I'm if I'm Gary Oldman I just don't do it like I don't but, know, but, just... but but and also the the thing I guess that we'll get into so just to bring Kate Beckinsale into this what's kind of interesting about her being in the movie is she does it for nothing right she does it for seg minimum and according to this Yahoo article which which has sources right which yeah. you know you know um, her condition was um, she would do it for seg minimum as long as she could wear her lucky hat. And um, Matthew Bright had gotten money from independent producers who are essentially like neighbors, right? And on set, the day where she wore her lucky hat, they were like, what's up with the hat? Tell Kate Beckinsale to take the hat off. And Matthew Bright was like, no, I mean, she needs to wear that. She asked, that was the one thing she asked. She's doing this for nothing. She's Kate Beckinsale. She was in, you know, you know, Pearl Harbor two years ago, like she's, we can't ask her to take off that. And apparently, according to the director, that was like the moment, the he beginning got of the end. Yeah. Like that was kind of like, well, okay, then we have a serious problem. Now, to be fair, I will say the these the producers, if you read the piece, the producers do sound like not great people, but well, they sound like that look, hat is ridiculous. <laughs> they sound like people who, and this is a common thing when you get into the indie filming production of it all. They sound like people who don't know how movies work, right? Like, yeah, I, you sure, know, it's, sure. it's like it's like they sound like people who have money, wanted to make this movie, probably thought it was a provocative script. So the other thing too here, we mentioned Matthew Bright had wrote and directed the two free uh, the two Freeway movies. His other movie is a Ted Bundy movie. Like, so when he talks about the 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 cut that is currently on Amazon Prime that screened at Sundance is like eighty five minutes before credits, and he has said. He got fired off this movie. He got kicked out of the editing room. And oh, and that's the thing. The producer, he was a producer on Cops. Yeah, the producer is the, so is the, are the, so yeah. So okay, he's in the world in as much as cops. But he is basically akin. took a cops editor and, yes. and 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 cut out an yeah. hour of the movie. Now, what I can surmise, only surmise from this article and watching what exists, this 85-minute cut, is this was going to be a way more provocative 
probably way more, I guess, offensive. Like, yeah, it sounds controversial. When like, they talk about the screenplay of like, oh, yeah, it sounded like a good idea because it seemed like, little like it would people, be funny. And you're like, like little people uh, gone wild. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. Right? That's like, sort of how they pitched this. Kind of, kind of like horrible. Under the Rainbow. You know how Under the Rainbow also we yeah, talked about which with we the talked Carrie, about, yeah. Carrie Fisher episode. Also, there's little people and it's it's like kind of half that and half an adventure romance right we've t- we talked about that it's kind of like that it's like basically matthew bray wanted to make this movie and these cops producer and his wife were like oh no we want to make it kind of a love triangle rom-com and so you kind of like to, to the degree that right maybe you'll agree with me connor mm. peter dinklage and pat patricia arquette should not even be in this movie Right? No, like, I mean, Peter Dinklage should be in the movie, but he should be the Gary Oldman character. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, their characters. Yeah, I mean, like, like they, yes, they like, don't, like, they don't this belong whole, in this movie. Like, yeah. little person French communist and his hitchhiked girlfriend who... Well, it sounds raised, like a bad joke. Like, it sounds well, and like... Well, they raise hell, and it's like, it's like not part of the movie, right? Yeah, it's only... Yeah. It's only, And this is... You can see the patchwork editing. It's only a part of the movie as it needs to be congruent to the plot that reveals itself to be Kate Beckinsale's pregnant. Um, Matthew McConaughey is it's coming to terms with this identity crisis, which is essentially, you know, he is, you know, uh, the only tall, you know, the only tall person amongst his family of little people. And this fear that he hasn't really faced of, of, of an offspring of his and what that means. And then we'll spoil it. They have the kid. The kid has dwarfism. Yeah. Right. They they go through this very, I'm sure, harrowing ordeal of he's you know the kid has to take medication and you know he's the in baby constant has to, pain he's, and yeah. you know which is you know according to this movie common with having that genetic situation. So like <laughs> that that all happens in this movie and and the minute Kate Beckinsale finds out about this. The scene where she confronts, and I believe it's the scene with the hat, as a matter of fact. Yes. She is dropping the M word a mile yeah, away. Dude, she's like, she's like, oh, so your family's this, your family's M word, your family, you know. And McConaughey corrects her. And it like, so I again it's it's weird because I don't know, and I'm not making a pun here, but like I don't know what line this movie is towing, right? Where it's like it well, seems like yeah. it wants to champion little people but all like have its cake and eat it too in terms of like champion little people crack the jokes like and it at least this particular cut of the movie right seems to try and be tender and serious about it right um but 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 what's confusing and this is kind of bolstering your point here in that scene that you just heard a clip from, obviously Kate Beckinsale is very abrasive, very you know offensive, but also kind of it's not defendable. But she's angry, right? She's been lied to by sure. her her boyfriend, which is kind of you can understand that element of it. The next scene, the next scene, they go to a party hosted or at least attended by McConaughey's family. And there's a lot of other little people there. David Allen Greer's in this movie. is like some, some reason, minor celebrity. It's very yeah. strange. Um, I'm sure that was a bigger part of the, the, the director's cut. Anyway, in the next scene, Kate Beckinsale is basically on board, right? She's basically yeah. engaged. She's interested. She corrects these people that McConaughey brings from his work who are these like, 
you know, bimbo girls or whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, and it becomes, she is excited about the pregnancy. She is excited about her budding relationship with Rolf, who's Gary Oldman, you know, McConaughey's brother. And he is very fearful, very like, I don't want to do this. And the movie totally swips, swaps, totally fine. I understand the logic there. But there is no intermediary scene. No, so then it's, you have it's insane. This yeah. Totally different thing happen with no trajectory. You know, trajectory. It's just like, oh, and now Quebec gets sells down, and she's like, now she's a, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, on the side of little people, and you know, right, very, right. She's and, like, she's and, like fully integrated into this community, and yeah, it's is, just a very. I, I mentioned to you offhandedly. I don't know who, I mean, outside of the, the lucky hat thing makes sense. At least that has an explanation. The rest of her wardrobe choices throughout this movie right. are, I mean, great. I don't know of a time to a degree for sure. I suppose. But I, yeah. I, I mentioned mean, to you, dad, I was like, at some point in this movie, it feels like Kate Beckinsale dresses up as each one of the Spice Girls. Like yes. that's, those are like her outfits. So listener, if you don't get around to watching the movie, just imagine that that's, that's, that's the stuff that someone decided to dress her in. And just to give you, in, in terms of the director's cut, right, which we can't speak on really because we haven't seen it, of course, but Bright had written the script, and this is from the article, uh, the Yahoo article. Bright had written the script for Tiptoes when he was 18, so there you go. He envisaged, he envisaged, envisaged? Envisaged, yeah, envisaged, en I can't say that word, sorry. Quote, he imagined, quote, a raucous comedy about little people fucking each other, but the movie never materialized. So, like yeah. to our point earlier, that doesn't sound better to me. No, that sounds that sounds worse than the movie we got. Frankly. Yeah, right. Um, right. I, what's weird about this movie is that it just is bad. Like I and I don't. That feels I. I'm not being like, well. And Beckinsale in that same interview. Uh, what what's his name on Dave the second Carter, interview? Dave Carter. Dave, yeah. Dave Carter brings it up, and Beckinsale's like. Don't watch it. She's he's like, watch the trailer. She's like, Yeah, watch the trailer. It's a bad movie. Yeah, she's like, yeah. you know, she's and open about it. And, and she in that interview, like she mentioned, she's like, it's not even like, you know, it's not even like they're achieving some amazing technological feat with the Gary Oldman character or anything. It's literally like, you know, holes and couches with fake legs sticking out, and like, you know, he right, wears right, a hump right, right. on his back and he's got prosthetics to make his head look disproportionate. It's just it's offensive. It's like it's it's insane. And yeah. it's just And it becomes and just to wrap up with the plot of the movie, basically. Yeah. And this is kind of I like couldn't I mean, I I guess I could believe it because I was watching it, but like I was kind of truly shocked at how so basically <laughs> McConaughey I mean, this is how the movie ends. McConaughey can't get a handle on it. McConaughey and he literally walks, is like, away. yeah. McConaughey, McConaughey is like, no, like our baby, I can't deal with this. And he essentially walks out on Carol and their child, who I believe his name is Victor, the child. Vincent. 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 Sorry, yeah. Vincent. And Carol, Kate Beckinsale, takes refuge with Rolf in his like, you know, Woodstock cabin, which, you know, wherever it is. Which, yeah, and they, they kind of, the movie intimates they're going to stay together. Like Rolf and Carol kiss at the end of the movie. And it ends. And it ends. And the suggestion is kind of like she ended up with the right brother, which, okay. like, But it but, also like ends abruptly. Like you think there's at least going to be like two more scenes after that or something. And that's kind of every, like you said, Dan, that's every beat in this movie. And to like, to go back to the slight joke I made about like what to even call her relationship wise in this movie. 
it's because like the movie starts and she's his girlfriend and then at some point they're engaged right and then it's it's this thing of the right it, it's just this thing of the, it, every major plot point in the movie every major scene right feels like there are two or three scenes between it right that that just so you're getting these like leaps in in emotional logic with these characters definitely that just feels insane and it it's i guess to matthew bright's maybe not to his credit but in his defense right like that feels like you know a laughable thing of the movie right because the these it, it does make all of these performances seem laughable and it yeah and you and you but i one could surmise that maybe it is just the victim of editing and that the performances maybe are a little more played out a little more level-headed in their escalation but in this yeah. it literally feels like every it reminded me you know the scene which is supposed to be a joke right the scene in the other guys where she kicks out will ferrell and they it all gets like super hyper dramatic for a second like yeah. every high drama scene in this movie feels like that right. scene except that, i love that scene i was like get out alan go to alan yeah like it's that's like when they have their blow up near the ava, end of the movie. let me just say ava mendez does will never a treasure. get enough she's credit a treasure for i mean I know she basically is retired from acting because you know she's raising you know her kids and that's great and everything but my god she's great in that movie yeah she's great she, you know pimps don't cry um, they don't shed a tear. that movie's that movie's a modern masterpiece classic. Um, masterpiece but yeah no every scene to me felt like that like she there's the scene where it's so true You're they right. get back to the apartment and the baby's in pain and it's a sad it's a sad scene it's like they're holding the baby and the baby's yeah as a, as, a, as a scene it's a good scene yes yeah. And and they're holding the baby, the baby's crying, and he and then like she says, Oh, like, you know, like people with his condition the doctor says people with his condition, this is still normal, even right, if he's in right, pain, right, whatever. Right, right. And then it like that like sets McConaughey off. He's like, just like, say it. He's just like, say What's it his condition? Time. You haven't you haven't said what his condition is. Yeah. And like he's like, All right, all right, all right. 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 Say what his he's condition a, is. He's a dwarf. Yeah, is like kind I'm of a dwarf. And then yeah. he says, "I'm a dwarf." It's like, and you're well, like, well, you're not. No, you're okay. not. You're not. Um, okay. It and it's it's literally him just like yelling after her, and she goes off screen to presumably go into the bedroom or wherever and cry. Right. But it seems like Beckett Hill's getting off screen as fast as humanly possible because she's like about to start laughing. Like it's it, it's very in the context I mean, of this the this edited version of this movie. It's laughable. It's insane. Well, and this is also one of those movies. This happens sometimes when you see it on Amazon Prime, right, or whatever. You think, at least, this is how my mind works. Uh, obviously, I know when the movie comes out and everything in there and everybody's respective careers. But to see just the like thumbnail image amongst all the other ones, I think the first thought you have is like, oh, this is all when they were like young. They all made this movie. This is like a weird young no, movie this they is made. Peak and talent. it's like, no, yeah. this is like after Pearl Harbor. It's not like it got made in 98. And because of Pearl how Harbor, to, how like, to lose a guy in 10 days hasn't come out yet, but it comes out later the same year. Well, no, like, so, but McConaughey's already made the wedding plan. Right, right, right. Like, right you know, yeah. he's, he's a big He's already star, made a time you know? to kill. Oh, he's already made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. oh, yeah. And like Oldman obviously has been kind of his level of famous for as long as he had, you know, you know, Patricia Arquette, for God's sakes, is like, coming off of a successful 90s so she's probably the fourth most famous but it's like you know this is a year before peter dinklage basically makes the station agent which is his big thing but anyway 
they, these are all big, these are all movie stars, right? So it's not like, you know, uh, not an early career kind of um, curio. This is yeah. like a very strange, anyway, that that's tiptoe. So it's like kind of an oft mentioned, you know, culty for the wrong reasons movie. That's what it is. I I don't think you should watch it. You, you say I found, I was just, and again, whatever, you know, I was looking at my phone half the time, whatever, but I was definitely like laughing at it while it was all happening, you know? So I, if, if if that is the type of thing you enjoy, listener, I, I would say, you know, if you have pro- like certainly don't rent, you know, don't go out of your way. Right. Don't like rent this movie. Don't do anything like that. If you have Amazon Prime, it's on Prime. I think it's also on like Tubi and a couple other places. But, um, you, you know, you can check it out. I don't know. And then if not, you could send me like an angry tweet or something. But I, I was definitely. But again, I think I think I was caught up in the minutia of it, right? Like I like like the lucky hat, like the like all of Gary Oldman scenes and just like what what's going on in any of them. Like that's the stuff that I kind of was just in awe of the just onslaught of bad right. decisions. Um now now the next movie comes out in 08 though it barely comes out. And this yeah. is this is a little bit more of a sad case, um, you know, because Tiptoes barely comes out, obviously, like we mentioned. One thing I want to say, which I, 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 I was a bummer I wasn't at this Sundance. I was too young. At Sundance, Matthew Bright went on stage to introduce the cut of the movie that wasn't his cut. Oh, and, and he, like... On stage. Yeah. Like, shouted at, like, ridiculed accused yeah to the point where the, the producers, producers even like like rush people stage. had to take him off apparently yeah. and anyway so that's crazy which part um, of me is like good for you good for him know. yeah sure, good for sure, you. Sure, uh, like sure. i don't know it seems like a terrible experience all around so like oh sure that's a nightmare I, um but that said before we close it up just like that said to hear his vision of what he wanted the movie to be sounds horrible and even somehow even more offensive so well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things. Yeah, you you will never know, but I think certainly it does not not sound promising. Indeed. Um. So okay. Oh eight, and this is like I said, Beckinsale has been very open about this. This movie, nothing but the truth, written and directed by Rod Lurie, who made The Contender. He made The Last Castle. This year, 2020, he made The Outpost, which I reviewed for the film stage. I did not love The Outpost, though a lot of people did like it quite a bit. So I believe that's on Netflix now. Um, I would recommend uh, if you it's – a, it's, a, it's a, a war movie with Orlando Bloom, Scott Eastwood, Caleb Landry-Jones. Um, anyway, Nothing But the Truth uh, is certainly one of Kate Beckinsale's first kind of Oscar-adjacent roles, right? Sure. Um, it's the it's the production company is the Yari Film Group. We'll get back to that in a minute. And the story is a a pretty heavily fictionalized version of the Judith Miller Valerie Plame of it all that happened in the early two thousands. Now, if you do not know what that is, essentially, Judith Miller was a journalist for the New York Times who received information that. Valerie Plame was a CIA operative, and this was following Valerie Plame's husband, Joe Wilson, writing uh, an article. I guess it's an editorial. Yeah, right? it, was an, it was an op-ed, yeah. Where he, it's called What I, what I Didn't Find in Africa, I believe. 
in which, and you got to remember, this is right. This is after 9-11. This is essentially the Bush administration feverishly trying to prove that Saddam Hussein was trying to build weapons of mass destruction. And Joe Wilson's um, piece was basically like, there's all this talk about these tubes, these uh, aluminum tubes, uh, you know, how they're part, you know, they're getting them from Niger. Iraq is getting them from Niger so that they can build these bombs. I didn't find any of that, right? That's basically, you know, I couldn't connect the dots. So this might all be kind of not a real thing. That's basically what his piece says. He's married to Valerie Plame. Valerie Plame is a CIA operative. Essentially, what we now know is Judith Miller's source inside the White House was Scooter Libby, who worked for Dick Cheney and went to jail for this. He gave, he leaked uh, Valerie Plame's name to Judith Miller. What's crazy is, and I didn't actually remember this, Judith Miller didn't even write an article outing Valerie Plame. Valerie Plame ended up getting outed in another in yeah. a column by another guy, Robert something. Robert Novak. Robert Novak, thank yeah. you. That's the actual article where she it, and it's crazy. Go back and read it. It's not, to me, it's nuts. I've just full disclosure. Full disclosure. I'm a big Democrat. I interviewed Valerie Plame actually um, with Doug Lyman for a re-release of Fair Game a couple years ago. I'm fascinated by this stuff. Not a big fan of the Bush administration. They railroaded Valerie Plame. Now Judith Miller. It's a way more kind of I think complicated her whole thing is more complicated where she basically got subpoenaed and and the government was like hey we're gonna send you to jail if you're gonna tell us who gave you this information because it's a matter of national security and judith miller like many journalists before her were like no i promised confidentiality i can't do that if i do that i'll be betraying everything i stand for as a journalist and and look to her credit she didn't they sent her to jail for 85 days. This is this is all this is all the true story. Yeah. And um she ended up leaving jail. She wrote a book. She ended up being heavily criticized in hind hindsight, not because of that element, but because she basically became a mouthpiece for what we now know is a very flawed, lying Bush administration, where she pushed us, you know, she look, she helped put, along with other writers in the New York Times, but she became the biggest spotlight. Partly because of the value plane element, she took what was revealed to be unsubstantiated claims of WMD production, put it into articles that should have been better fact checked by the Times edit editors. It went up on places like the front page. We went into a war that became a boondoggle that many Americans died in that revealed to be the wrong place. Right, which we know now. Yeah. This is not con what I'm saying is not controversial, and do not at me about it at all. I mean, this is to me, this is factual, and to disagree at this point feels to me ignorant at best. So, anyway, so Judith Miller now is a far more controversial figure than Valerie Plame, who I think kind of had, you know, probably for the right reasons, is, you know, more of a martyr, right? I mean, she her whole her whole career kind of in a way ended and she had to basically pivot to another career. Uh, and Judith Miller's did too, but the way she did her job was correctly criticized. Whereas Valerie Plame was by all accounts, a very competent CIA operative. So anyway, 
Nothing But the Truth is a pretty fictionalized version of that in which Kate Beckinsale plays Rachel Armstrong, who would be the Judith, Judith Miller, Miller surrogate. Yeah. Vera Farmiga plays the uh, Valerie Plame surrogate. And they they kind of hyper-intensify the Judith Miller as martyr, martyr yeah. part of it, where it's kind of the same beginning. They change it. It's not the Iraq war. It's this Venezuela. Basically, uh, there's, uh, there's an assassination uh, attempt on the president. On the president, yeah. And, and they think the, – in the White House – believes or wants to prove essentially that the Venezuelan government had something to do with it. Right. And Rachel Armstrong in basically writing. So they like kind of conflagate everything, right? It's like Rachel Armstrong basically writes the Robert Novak thing, right. Yeah. And, and, and names Valerie Plame slash Vera Farmiga in, I believe her name is, what is it? Erica Van Doren. Right. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. anyway, she outs the CIA operative. Um, the government's like, yo, who gave you that information? Matt Dillon plays Patton Dubois. Love that name. <laughs> who's like the, the lawyer for the government. Yeah. He's a, spy, um, a special prosecutor. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Wiley is the on retainer lawyer for it's the is it the Capital Sun Sentinel or something? Yeah, like it's that? like it's, the Capital Sun Tribune or something like that. Capital um, Sun Times. Times. Capital yeah, Sun Times. Um, and and he is no Wiley's really given a performance. Yeah, that he's making is, choices. <laughs> he's making some choices. And then Alan Alda, who actually I think is under under Beckinsale, the best perform. Well, no, actually, no, actually, I disagree with myself. He, under, I, I would say the three standout performances is Beckinsale, Dylan, and Alda. Yeah. Um, yes. And you got to uh, get a little Angela Bassett for your time. Too, oh, yeah, which is, which is nice to kind of be like, and she's good. Angie B. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, very, yeah. She, she, doesn't, she's the, she doesn't have a ton to do. She just, she's the editor in chief of yeah, the but she, Capital Sunshine. You get some yeah. David Schwimmer who plays uh, Kate Beckinsale's husband. And yeah, he's truly a, awful. Yeah, character. He's, he's like, not, 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 uh, he, he does awful things. Yeah, yeah. His, yeah. his performance is, is fine. He's kind of a scumbag. Um, Bit of a Ross, if you will. Um, <laughs> no, but um, it, but hang on, but but I just want to contextualize this. Yeah, go ahead. The movie premieres a TIFF, yeah, and I think is generally well reviewed. I'm not people weren't being like, oh, give her the Oscar, you know, well, that was not what it was like. But it came out, and I think it was like a respectable re- reception. Literally weeks later, Bob Yari of the Yari Film Group, right the production company they declare bankruptcy and the movie that had there was a planned platform kind of awards friendly release plan just dies the movie doesn't come out at all basically it's reviewed here and there but i don't it's not like it's not incredible reviews that would have maybe saved it or whatever you want to say but it's you know it's, it's like the positive reviews i mentioned and it's that's it the movie kind of does, it goes nowhere now yari film group i'm sure we've mentioned it before on one of the things they're only around for a few years. It's kind of a very, kind of a cautionary story of those mid-aughts, overextended production companies. This could never exist anymore. This yeah, yeah, film yeah. group, like, they basically, I could, I could literally, I'll read you all the movies they made: Find Me Guilty, Haven, The Illusionist, Winter Passing, The Painted Veil, Even Money, The Final Season, First Snow, The Good Night, Great Matters, Kicking It Old School. Resurrecting the Champ, another Rod Lurie movie that I like, starring Josh Hartnett, also about kind of journalism ethics. Shortcut to Happiness, fun fact, the only movie Alec Baldwin ever directed, uh, which he disowns. The Perfect Holiday, Christmas in Wonderland, The Girl in the Park, My Father's Will, Nothing But the Truth, What Doesn't Kill You, The Accidental Husband, Assassination of a High School President, Connor's favorite movie, Possession, (laughs) The Maiden Heist, and... 
only a couple of years ago, kind of after the dusted settles, <laughs> Papa Hemingway in Cuba uh, in, from 2015. They go bankrupt. This has kind of been covered by the Brian Koppelmans of the world who basically talk about they had a lot of trouble producing The Illusionist with Yari. That was like one of their only real hits. Uh, Yari Film Group's only real hits. And like to hear Brian Koppelman talked about, like Bob Yari basically used the profits of that movie to basically pay the, you know, the deficits of all the other movies, right? So not a great, a business model by all accounts. And it's just a shame because Beckinsale talks honestly about how that was a heartbreaker for her that it kind of ended up going nowhere. Yeah, she, by by her account, was, you know, proud of the movie, proud of her performance in it, you know, um, and thought she did really good work. And she does do good work. It's a good, it's a good performance. Um, it's a... It, I don't know. It, this movie is weird to me, and I mentioned this to I, you. I liked it fine. I did too. Like, I did too. I, 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 I don't. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time with it. I think the history of the movie's release is more interesting is, than yeah, the movie I, itself. I, I agree. I think what's confusing to me about the movie, honestly, and me, I don't know. Maybe it's a legal thing. I don't know. But like you get, you know, ultimately, like you said, there, you know, the companion movie to this would be Fair Game uh, a couple of years later, right? Or maybe the, a year later, right? No, I think two, 2010, 2010, two years, later. two years later. So, you know, I just don't know why you don't just make the Valerie Plame scandal movie, right? Like that's well, the confusing thing to me about this movie is that it's fictionalized where like the real life account is certainly interesting enough and certainly yields would still yield like an interesting new like a so her directly playing judith miller would still yield an interesting nuanced meaty performance for an actor like her yeah, same, same I, thing obviously with yeah. vera farmiga and the and the erica van dorn character because i think what comes out this end when you do what this movie did which is kind of my only i i generally liked it like i i when we were yeah like i like to your point i like fair game which i like more than most people more than this movie. I do. Right. But I do think Lurie, who is a very kind of socially minded filmmaker, right? Like basically all of his movies have those elements like, you know, The Outpost, you know, all these movies, The, the Contender, The Last Castle. They're all kind of like, you know, there's genre elements of like any movie, but there's a very social, like, what do we make of this thing? Right. And yeah. so Nothing But The Truth is probably his most fragmented picture as a director in as much as yeah you're right like but i think it speaks to also the judith miller the complexity of judith miller as a person i guess that's where that's my point like i think if you had just made the real life story and leaned into it yeah i mean and again not like beckinsale has a good part to play plays the part well like i'm not even knocking any of that and i and like i said i like the movie overall i would recommend it if you know if somebody wants to track it down i think you can find it it's not like it's it's yeah no i mean you know, you can it's rent been, it. it's been it's buried not. but it's just not you know yeah it's like not yeah, yeah uh but it is and it's worth seeking out like i like you said uh alda i think gives a great performance and matt dylan i think gives a killer performance um and you know it's a shame too just you know matt dylan's fine and whatever but this is a couple years after crash which i know you know people don't like crash whatever he, matt dylan Obviously, a complicated role now and in today's landscape, but Matt Dillon does deliver a very 
interesting performance in Crash that did get him nominated. And that was kind of like the Dylan Assance of the mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. And it is a shame for him as well that Nothing But the Truth didn't get any traction because he's giving one of those good, like, he's the villain, but he's just doing his job. But yeah. is that okay? Right, you know, like he doesn't performances. He does. He seems like an asshole, but he doesn't necessarily seem like an evil person or anything like that. He just seems like a a hard ass who's like doing, who yeah, who's doing his job. And and to your point, yeah, the movie asking the question of like, is this person even if this person is doing their job well, is that okay? And like, should they be able to do that? And um, yeah, I don't know. I th- I think generally this movie. I mean, it whittles down the real life events, maybe to be able to more, you know, acutely make whatever points it wants to make and use and use those points to its own end. Um, I think it I mentioned while we were while I was watching this, I was I was talking with you and I was saying that, like, I don't love Vera Farmiga in this movie. Right. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a underserved, overacted performance. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. And, and to, to to your point, that first part of it is not it's not entirely her fault. Right. Like and there are moments she does a little something with it that I thought were kind of good. There's the moment where she gets officially fired. Um, that That's which that's I like, think is a pretty good scene. Oh, that's interesting, because I was going to say to me. That's the weakest scene of the movie, because you just kind of go. It's like Valerie Plame's whole situation in like a kind of badly written two minute like no, I, yeah I where think, she's basically she's basically like fine i quit and you're yeah, like wait, yeah. wait 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 yeah. wait yeah and you know they the biggest departure from real life is is rachel armstrong the fictional character kate back sales the length of her prison stay which is in real life judith miller was in prison for 85 days and in this picture, it's like two hundred something, or like no, it's more like a year, I believe. Oh, okay. She's in it for like a year, and then and then um, the fate of the Valerie Plame surrogate is way different than yes. in real life. Yes, which yes. which obviously it's more genre y. It's more, uh, yeah. It's a little nutty. I guess what I meant in that scene that was the that was one of the scenes where I I looked at her. Uh, from sure. and was like oh she's like doing a thing she gets fired and she's trying to you know whatever she's trying to like put her foot down and be tough and whatever and the part of the scene that i liked actually is when she walks away oh yes she I immediately hundred like, percent. as soon as she turns so that they can't see her face she like immediately starts crying like silently to herself and i thought that was yeah, like she nice... kind of she like no, almost knows what she's done yeah right. and it's uh that i thought is um was it was a nice little moment, but it yeah, that's the thing that didn't measure up for me either because it just yeah, they draw her into such a she's not a caricature, but it just it feels like such a um, it feels like such a broad character. Um, and I think this movie, just to kind of bring it back to Beck and Sale, is a bit of a. I think you basically have Snow Angels in 07, which mm. is a good David Gordon Green movie, um, where it's her and Sam Rockwell, who then actually star together in the next movie we're going to talk about. Um, or and one of the next, uh, Sam Rockwell, I couldn't dig up which role, but Sam Rockwell was offered a role in Laurel Canyon. Really? And so it, obviously it must, must have, have been the must have been the rock star. Yeah, right? that's what I was going to assume. But it could have been could have been Bale. I don't know. Um, so Snow Angels, uh, well-reviewed movie the year before this. Vacancy, which is a pretty fun thriller movie with Luke Wilson and her. And the, Fra- also in 07. Is that the one with Frank Whaley? Plays- Frank yeah. Whaley, yeah. yeah. Um, so to me, this period is a pivot point for her, her uh, career where 
she starts kind of really trying her hand at like these more prestige things where it's mm-hmm. like nothing but the truth. She's in winged creatures that year, which doesn't really come out. And um, everybody's fine in Whiteout, which are our last two movies come out the next year. But then you have like other things that don't get seen as much, but like the trials of Kate McCall in 2013, right back to love and friendship. The point is simply she starts to diversify her roles where it's like they're, she becomes more of a character actress. Right. And mm-hmm. I think I like that. And if anything, the one, two punch of snow angels and nothing but the truth, even though, you know, both were underseen, especially nothing but the truth. It does. Um, it's, it does mark the beginning of a diversification of her. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll still keep making underworld world movies, but I'm, I'm not just an action heroine. I'll still keep making, you know, thrillers as I need to, but I'm not just that. You know what I mean? I like that. And it's, even though it hasn't been amazingly successful, there's been plenty of movies that have kind of come and gone. I do like that she's kind of been very willing to try new things. I think that's an important kind of a thing, even up to now. And she's, you know, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But that's that's the one thing kind of I took away from nothing but the truth is like it's a shame she didn't get the recognition she deserved for that performance. But you, you have to imagine maybe and, and and again, not like she's had some sort of like disastrous career or whatever, but you have to imagine if she gets the recognition she deserves for nothing but the truth, does she get the actual recognition for love and friendship years later? Right. Like if, maybe if you yeah, get that, true, true, if you true, get true. that, you know, if she gets seen in nothing but the truth and people are like, oh, you know, even if she doesn't, even if it doesn't lead to anything, is it at least planting that seed of like, oh, she's like doing good work and like we like her. Right. And then, right. you know, and then she comes back out of the gate with love and friendship, which can't stress enough is a phenomenal performance and a phenomenal, but uh, I guess, I, well, well, let me just tell you, I, was at, movie, I guess it was kind uh, no, of successful. I mean, it was it pretty, was a, it's one of Amazon's most successful yeah, movies. I, guess it was, yeah. I mean, I, I, this is how much I love, love and friendship. I, I've, I've gone to me and Jordan route. We, we've been, been lucky enough to go to Sundance for the, for the last decade. That was, I believe that was the 2016, uh, Sundance. You know, I, as I've gotten older, I do less of this, but, over the years, because you know I am a producer of media in, in my day job, I have friends on either side of whatever, the aisle of in terms of criticism and actual filmmaking and what have you. So when I go to Sundance, what is nice is I can kind of catch up with both sides of that. So I do try to burn the candle at both ends at Sundance. And you can ask the people that we stay with in the condo, like that's, I do try to do that. I, you know, or at least I used to before, you know, now I'm getting older, you know, every year it's harder, but that year particular, I remember that there was a Sunday morning press screening of love and friendship that I wasn't going to miss because I love Whit Stillman. I was interviewing Whit Stillman. I was so excited, but the night before Saturday night, first weekend of Sundance, very popular party night. And I went out, I went out hard. I went to a couple parties. I wound up at my friend Jonathan's house and we, we, we ripped it up pretty late. And I got home, I wrote a review, it was four in the morning, I was drunk as a skunk, people pop. And I woke up at eight in the morning or seven in the morning, whatever it was, you know, you know, slummed it over to uh, Eccles to see the premiere of Love and Friendship. And I was worried because I was like, am I going to fall? I mean, as much as I love with Snillman, it's a period piece movie, right. it's 9am. And God bless Love and Friendship, I did not stir a moment i was up the whole time laughing for two full hours and so that i feel like is a great example 
of how good the movie is where yeah. I was like, it kept me up. It kept me active. So anyway, yes, great movie. Can't Love stress it. enough. Seek it out. It's great. Um, now, now, if I can, you want uh, to take move the us, next one? <laughs> if I can, yeah, I'll move us along. So, nothing yeah. but the truth. Oh eight, oh nine. Our final two movies, both very underseen. Um, one, I would say, deservedly so. One, I would say, I, I, I like, and, and we, yeah, uh, we will talk about. Yeah. Whiteout um, is directed by Dominic Senna. Of swordfish fame, the yeah, the man who gave us Gone in sixty seconds, the man who gave us swordfish, the man who gave us California with a K. But to be fair, it does mean he's the man who is responsible for one of the best line reads in the history of cinema, which is Delroy Lindo in Gone in sixty seconds. A brother's love is a brother's love. A brother's love is a brother's love. So, um, so yeah, Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not all that exactly. (laughs) Um, But this movie certainly kind of put him to pasture, I think, uh, more or less. the movie's wide out, as I said. It's a straight up Kate Beckinsale above the title actioner. It is based on a, it's a, I believe it's a, it's a 1999 graphic novel, right, by Greg Rucka yes, and uh, Stephen Lieber, Steve Lieber, and you, Greg Rucka, you would know he uh, provided the graphic novel that became uh, Gina Prince Bythewood's The Old Guard this year. Mm-hmm. So he's been doing this for a while. He he knows what he's doing. Greg Rucka also actually. Just quick shout out. Um, did the graphic novel for that show? What's it called? Now I'm, to- I'm totally gonna forget the name of it. Sometown, which I think got canceled sadly, which I liked uh, with Kobe Smolders. Um, it's like a private eye show uh, set in Portland. Um, Greg Rucka also did the source material for that. So good writer. Um, anyway, this movie was dumped uh it came out in the doldrums of september in 2009 after uh what i believe were pretty significant reshoots by len wiseman as a matter of fact and um i I think there's one other director hang on let me just check my sources here oh it says stuart baird oh really the editor who editor turned director executive decision u.s marshals um star trek nemesis um anyway Whiteout is a total non-starter flop, cost $35 million, made less than 20 right? You have Kate Beckinsale playing a U.S. Marshal named Carrie Stecco, who uh, is on assignment in Antarctica by her own choosing, following a disastrous assignment that went wrong in Miami. And you find out about that in some very kind of poorly colored Oh, uh, flashbacks. Um, the, the way this movie so this looks is, is like one of the worst parts about it, frankly. Yeah. So this yeah. is just a messy movie. It's it's a whodunit that kind of reminded me of the thing. Is it? <laughs> is it? Is it? Well, well, actually, I was gonna say, is it? I see you. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Stallone so, movie. Yeah, yeah. Very similar. similar yeah. Where basically Carrie Stecco, Kate Beckinsale is. It's you know it's it's a boring as hell assignment in Antarctica because who nobody gets murdered in Antarctica because it's just scientists you know what have you, but of course on the final day before they all leave before a storm right before uh quote unquote you know a whiteout right as it were, there is the first murder in the history of the continent of Antarctica, so you have the UN coming down in the form of Gabriel mocked, uh Sar suits Gabriel mocked uh, was he in the spirit at this point, I think this. Spirit was the year before this. Yeah, I think Is, it isn't like the spirit 08. like oh oh eight or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Um, feels and crazy. so um, 
And it's also important to remember, Sin City has a lot to do with how these movies come out because Whiteout's a graphic novel, right? I think you're, yeah, you're, sure. you're running into, you know, so Mocked got caught up in the graphic novel of it all, we have to say. Yeah. Um, and so basically she's there and she's tr- she's dealing with her own baggage and Tom Skerritt is the doctor on site. Columbus Short is the the kind of the pilot Delphi, Delphi yep. yeah. on site. And this is like right as Columbus Short is beginning to take off and that kind of, I guess, never happened. But um, anyway, that's the movie. They are investigating who's killing people. And then there's this other part where there's this crashed plane from yeah, the fifties. Yeah, it opens. Yeah, with it's a, a cold open with with, with a, a Russian, a Soviet plane that crashes in Antarctica. You have no idea. I mean, you you know why? Like you see the events on board that lead to it, but you don't know what's on the plane, and that kind of becomes the MacGuffin of sorts. And it's not. I I and I think I mentioned this to you, Dan. Like I'm curious actually to read the graphic novel now because I bet it's probably kind of good. Um, and you know what's funny? I told you, Connor, before we started recording, I had read the book. What I'm an idiot. The, the the thing I had read was a Ken Follett book called White Out, which is about it's like in Scotland, totally different oh, okay. story. Yeah. So I have not read I have not read the yeah no I uh, don't know I, it, this feels I I just have to imagine it might be a little bit better. I I think Beckinsale's good in this movie. I think she's fine. Um, I. I didn't like I don't like this movie. I did. I wanted to like hate it, but I couldn't bring myself to actually hate it because I I can see the world where a better director adapting this graphic novel just makes maybe a slightly better thriller because like the mystery's not too great and it's got you can tell they're kind of going for like a 10 little Indians vibe kind of. Well, um, right. Because it, not enough characters to even do that. To, yeah. Right, right, exactly. And so, but they're they they juggle that a little bit because they very clearly, you know, dangle people in front of you to be like, ooh, maybe it's this person, maybe it's this person. Um, and I I won't spoil it, but in the end, the person it is is exactly who you thought it would be. Um, but the yeah I don't yeah know. it's a. Kind of. It's like not even good and I don't know. I it's it's just not it's just that's the thing. It's a bad like it's now, a badly Connor, do handled you, do you, mystery. Do you wanna say what you were do you wanna say what you were gonna say about Gabriel Mocked, or do you wanna not say what you're gonna say about Gabriel Mocked? Oh no, I'm gonna a thousand percent say it. All right, well I'm gonna I, give you I'm gonna give you I'm gonna so, give you the uh the, look, the, the the platform for it. I don't know. I this might be this might be one of the worst performances I've ever seen by an actor. Like it. Even now, I'll say this. I'll say this. Actually, I can't. You know what? No, I'm going to let you go. I was going <laughs> to. No, I was trying to. I was trying to mount a defense, a defense for my boy, Harvey it's... Specter. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to my suits. suits. <laughs> Rachel just... Zane. Rachel Zane forever. Watch out. No, no sorry, and, and look like I, I haven't watched suits. So like I'm not and I'm not. And, I, and this is the thing. I'm not even trying to like I'm not trying to take mock down and, and, and from like a career standpoint. But this specific performance, he there is no intonation in his voice. Everything is delivered like he's fucking running out of batteries. Like it's this crazy. It feels almost like you're saying he should be going like Mach five, but he's going like <laughs> Mach. He's going like Mach three. It's no. It's just he just. There's no there, and and not that he needs to be some hyper charismatic character. But and we talked about this offline, Dan. Like 
the so the graphic novel it's two women it's it, there's the carrie stecko character and then the gabriel right, mock right, right, character right, 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 right. is a is a u.n investigator but is a, another woman right and the studio for you know whatever varies. i think it was joe i mean look it's dark castle back when dark yeah. castle was a thing joel silver i think was like hey look it's got to be a guy and a girl right right, think, right. he know. was like it can't be two women whatever um it was stupid. Well, I, don't, I know. I know. I know you don't. I know you don't drink. <laughs> I know you don't drink. Um, no, but it's it, whatever. It's stupid. But it's like, and then you crack the joke to him, but you're 100 right. Like, so okay, so you're gonna do a guy, whatever. It's shitty, but like, and then you get mocked. Like, well, but not only you couldn't you even get, get somebody like just even moderately and more this is, like well, charismatic. Like, and this was gonna be my defense of mocked, which is just kind of not. It's a half half hearted defense, but. Yes, yes, you just get mocked. But also, also, and look, in fairness to the producers, when you think about the spirit, this movie obviously lingered. So I could see a world where like mocked is on the set of the spirit post Sin City, right? Mocked is kind of being on the batter's, you know, the the batter's box, you know, of he's the second guy in the recruit. He's the second guy in um uh, I totally just flew out of my head. He's the second guy in um, behind enemy lines, right? Like he's around and then he's a good looking guy, right? It's like, maybe he can pop. Yeah. I mean, he looks he's, like a he's star, in the sure. spirit. He's playing the spirit post and city. You thinking like, I, I feel like did Joel silver have something to do with the spirit, right? Maybe it's yeah. like, Hey, maybe this guy, by the time whiteout comes out, maybe we're getting, pennies on the dollar for the next right for colin, the next colin farrell right and right. then it and then it's like no you're not and also send a lost control of the you know of the take you know of the of, of the coverage this is a mess we got to bring it right and yeah. then before and then by the time it comes out you're just like okay kate we're selling the movie on your back we're you know we'll We'll take pennies on the dollar back, yeah, you know, for whatever we spent. It's know. a bummer because I do. Th I think she's good in this movie, and it's she. Some of her, I would say, the best parts of the movie. If I can, if I can give it a little bit of praise, I think her back and forth with Scarrett is is relatively nice. Scarrett's kind of on autopilot, but it doesn't necessarily matter. There is a moment, and what I think is the most effective scene in the movie. Uh, she in investigating this, uh, this outpost where the, this person who was murdered came from, uh, she gets attacked and in running away gets like severe frostbite. Right. And then they wind up discovering Cutting. the plane they want yeah. so it's so she basically her wound goes unattended for like way longer than it should. And as a result, she goes to her friend Scarrett, who's a doctor. And does he have an actual name or do they just call him Doc? Is he just I don't know. I could I could look it up, but I don't I, know if he has they, an actual name. But they anyway, call, she, they, they call him Doc in the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She calls him Doc. She goes to Doc and he is just like, Yeah, fingers gotta go. And it's a good moment from her because she just she's obviously distraught. And it's something that's like seemingly for a Oh, dude, dude, wait a minute. This is what what is what Wikipedia says. His name I don't know if they ever say this in the movie. His yeah. name is apparently Doctor John Fury. Go on. They never. That feels like a graphic novel name. Doctor sure. Fury. Doctor John Fury. Yeah, I don't think they. Ever Wait, say it. I, I'm reading here. It's Doctor Nick Fury. <laughs> uh, um, 
but yeah the it just doesn't um the scene itself is i i think is good and it's one of the only moments in the movie where i was like genuinely like oh yeah like you're both playing this well and and her in particular he's basically just making small talk with her as he tries to distract her how ironic our last days here and both of our jobs get so complicated guess i'm your warm-up for when you get home Okay. You're going to practice back in Chicago, aren't you? I'm just going to go back and focus on my granddaughter. Don't see kids down here too often. Forget what they're like. Dogs. Trees. Still, there's a few things I'll miss. Like what? Zero humidity, the color gray. Winner, zero six, Radio Darts Championship. <laughs> we spanked Norway. Yes, we did. Two winners together, Doc. That's no bad. That's no bad. It's a pretty effective scene in a, in a pretty not great movie and pretty in, ineffective movie. And that's, I think, that's my big problem with this movie is just that, like, I even on a base level, right, even if you know it's Dominic Senna, even if, you know, just everything about it where you're like, OK, this is like a B level thing, whatever. It like couldn't even kind of deliver on that regard. And I was. Yeah. Hoping- and then and just also it's one of those things where you want. <sighs> I wonder if like Kule Seurat had 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 yeah had directed this movie like and had maybe a slightly better handle on like some of the low lower budget vfx stuff look i mean yeah it's funny you say that i mean that become i mean look yeah this is a hundred percent a liam neeson cole sarah outing right right right. like like i guess what bums me out and we can move on to our final film sure what bums me out is you have your Kate Beckinsales, you have your Zoe Saldana's who like have their whiteouts and Colombianas. Yeah, sure. And then they don't perform well for no fault of, of their the people own. at the center of it. Yeah. And then it just it sucks because you watch the and look, Beckinsale has her franchise and, and Zoe Saldana has her franchise, Avatar, if the second one ever comes out. But like, so they're fine, I suppose. But it does bum me out where you go like, you know, Keanu has you know, Speed, The Matrix, and now John Wick, right? And it's like, I just wish, you know, Beckinsale had Underworld and then that other, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, same thing with Zoe Saldana. And that's just the first thing I'm thinking of, you know. And it's, I suppose to to another degree, jo- Jovovich, um, you know, uh, it would be great if she, it was Resident Evil plus, you Something know, else. another thing. Who knows? So Maybe th- it'll that be Monster Hunter, dude. Right, which which actually looks kind of fun, <laughs> yeah, to, uh, sure, to, sure. to be honest. Um, so... That's that's all I'll say. I mean, that's the biggest disappointment is like, you know, you know, Senna, I don't know, tripped over the goal line. You know, it's kind of yeah. like whatever you want to say about it. And so it's kind of a lost movie. And then, look, this final movie, we don't need to spend a lot of time on, I suppose, because it's an ensemble piece. 
it's everybody's fine. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's directed by Kirk Jones. It's a remake of a Marcello Mastroianni movie, I believe from 1990, called Everybody's Fine in Italian. Um, and it's Robert De Niro as a widowed uh, husband and father who is planning for all of his kids to come visit him and they all cancel on him separately. And he's like, what? And so he takes it upon himself to hit the open road against his doctor's recommendation to surprise visit all of his kids. And his kids are played by Kate Beckinsale plays Amy, who's an ad exec. Sam Rockwell plays, um, now I have to get his name right. Apologies. Kate Beck, or sorry, Sam Rockwell plays, Robert. Yep. And he's a musician. Yeah. And he's a he's a percussionist in an orchestra. Drew Barrymore plays Rosie, who's a dancer in Vegas, right? And there's a third a fourth uh kid named David, and that's the first person he tries to visit in New York. He's an artist. David's not home. Nobody knows where David is. As the movie progresses, you you learn through phone conversations like interstitial phone conversations that none of the family knows where David is and actually might be pretty bad. So he visits Amy, Kate Beckinsale. And basically what the whole movie is about, it's kind of like Make Way for Tomorrow or Tokyo Story, right? Where it's like, you know, or I guess about Schmidt to some degree where it's kind of like what we don't tell our parents, what we want our parents to believe, what we feel they can handle, right? Mm -hmm. There's also this... And this is the thing I like the most about this movie. There's also this undercurrent that kind of a silly scene at the end. There's like a subtext that uh, this silly scene at the end of the movie makes like front text, which I don't like, but where he wasn't a great father and now he's older and it's kind of a lot. I know, look, a lot of people deal with this right in their real lives. And I think this is where I think the movie is successful People get older and they they get softer, and then it becomes the parents the the kids' job to like de facto forgive them <laughs> for the intensities of yeah their younger years, and it's like not that fair, right? And yeah. I think this movie, in its best moments, explores that in a pretty effective way, and I, De Niro. I yeah. And De Niro is giving, and look, me and you, you know, this is not about our dads. We love our dads, but we come from families. We know something about this. Yeah, right? sure, not, sure. Like, no, we're not singling out any one person, but you know, you have big families. Like that, that's a real thing, right? People yeah. get old and you're like, Hey, you remember when you weren't nice? Right. You know, like, right, 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 <laughs> like, right, you know? right. and so there's a relatability to that for sure. I think anybody, I mean, I think anybody would have this relatability and De Niro, you know, for everybody who's like, Oh my God, he's great in the intern. He's great in the intern. He's great in the intern. This is a, this is a preamble to that. This yeah, is a this very, is like, this is pre silver linings. This is pre intern. So this is like, and that's a great, like, I'm so glad you brought up silver linings. I think yeah. those three performances, whether or not, however much you loved any of the movies are like, those are God level Bobby De Niro, yeah, he's like late period I, the scene performances. In, uh, the scene in uh, the scene in Silver Lining, and I know whatever this isn't a Robert De Niro episode, but whatever we're here. Um, but the scene in Silver Lining is where he like wakes him up to like 
try oh and my talk. God, oh my God. I lose it. I lose it every time. Look, people have time. a lot of problems yeah. with silver linings. And they should. Of and it's, it's fine. <laughs> and look, I get it. It's portrayal of mental of illness. Mental is, illness. Yeah. I, okay. I, I get it. I Tough. still like that movie. I, I personally still like that movie for what it is. Uh, though, yes, I understand the reservations. His performance, I find to be, and that's the thing, all three of these performances, I really find them to be special. Like, yeah. and, and it reminds me of, and we talked about, we must have mentioned this briefly uh, when we talked about De Niro and his directed movies. Um, it reminds me of stuff like Jackknife, which is an underseen movie from the late 80s, early 90s. He didn't do a lot of the understated stuff when he was younger, but when he did, yeah. it was really, really, like, really good. Like falling in love, bro. Like falling in love, yeah. like Stanley and Iris, where Bronx Tale, which we Bronx talked about. Yeah. Bronx Tale, yeah, a little bit, and then he has some like Oscary scenes, at sure, the end, which sure. I, I, I don't talk to me about Bronx Tale. I'm an Italian. <laughs> I'm an Italian from New York, my guy. Bronx Tale is my shit. Do not right, get me right started. Right behind the Mick. Yeah, right behind oh. the Mick. Right behind number seven. Right behind number seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the working man's a sucker. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I just think of my dad and it just warms my heart uh, when I think of, I really, oh God, anyway, no. love you. I love you, dad. <laughs> um, um, anyway. No, but yeah, I, so yes. And I think, I think De Niro gives a really understated, vulnerable, um, performance while leaning on obviously what we know, what we perceive about Robert De Niro, which is what I think is helpful with this movie. And I think the reason this movie by and large I mean, this movie's got some problems, but by and large, I think this movie's basically a success. And I think that when you get to, you know, when you parse out each of the kids, right, and the way right. the movie's structured, right? So he visits back in sale first. I think she gives a really good performance. And the thing you're running into, and it's it's interesting, is they all look like pieces of shit. Right. Like as you're kind of leaning in and I think the movie's well crafted in that sense and well paced and structured in that sense, because you're you're introduced to them. And, and at the minute back and sell cancels and she's like, ah, I'm really busy at work and my son has a fever. It's like you like, you know, immediately both of those things are not true. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's and so it's fine. Everybody's fine. Um, but you go <laughs> and then he, he surprise visits her and whatnot. And they have that scene at the at the dinner table where he's basically like, you know, oh, I think I would stay here a few days. And she's like, ah, you know, and she gets cagey about it and basically, you know, not so subtly is like, no. Right. And yeah. it seems shitty. And it and it is. And I said this to I said this to my wife while we were watching it. She was like, these fuckers. And I, and I was kind of like, yeah, but like only from this angle. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's it's the type of thing of like we like we don't we the viewer don't know, you know, the other angle of it. Well, and it I think this movie I, allows these people to be kind I, of human, shitty. right? Yeah, human walls and and shitty, frankly, because it's not. Well, well, and, I, and this is the thing. But this can movie justify got, it, I think. Yeah, this yeah. movie got largely ignored when it came out. It didn't make a lot of money, right? What have you? And I understand why. I do think there the. If, so at the end of the movie, there's a scene where throughout the movie, when he sees his kids for the first time, his adult kids, he sees them as as young 
children. Children. And I, it's a nice touch, actually, yeah, throughout like the movie. But then it culminates in this scene that I hate. Yeah. I really hate. <laughs> it's horrible. Where, where he, he, like, explains the movie. And I'm like, why did we do this? Because, yeah. like, if you just take that scene out and you have the rest of the movie, there are so many lovely moments that I find so relatable. Like, yeah. where... Like, and like, once again, I do, this is not some Freudian like thing about my parents or your parents, but it's, I think any kid or parent, you know, I'm a new parent. You could relate to this. Like Sam Rockwell, you know, the, and the idea is also like the mom who's since passed told Robert De Niro only the good things. And so it's yeah. just like, you, you, he, when he visits all these people, all of his kids, he learns that like, you know, his son's not a composer. He's only in the orchestra, right? Like right. Kate Beckinsale, her job is good, but she doesn't own, she like half owns the company and her marriage is falling apart, right? right? And like um, Rosie Drew Barrymore is a dancer, but she's not actually doing that well. And also she is probably a lesbian and has a kid, you know, through surrogacy or whatever it is, right? So he learns all that. It's all very obvious. You don't need a scene to tell us that, right? Yeah. That, that's, it frustrates me. But each kid, there, uh, there's a great moment that feels very like we all could relate to. And the, probably the best one is Sam Rockwell, when he first interacts with uh, Robert De Niro, like it, during, you know, uh, orchestra practice. Yeah. De Niro in that very parental way is like, oh, I thought you're not composing. Like, I thought you were composing. And he's like, oh, I'm not composing. He's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe if you work hard, you could compose. And like Sam Rock was just being like, dad, be proud of me. Like, yeah, I'm doing what I love. Stop. Stop. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. And it's that thing that happens with every parent where you're like, no, no, no. Listen to me. They have the nice moment at, immediately yeah. after that where they go outside the stage door. He's like, I'm quitting smoking. Yeah, not yeah. for you. Not, not for, for you, you right. but only because you think I can't do it. Like, it's right, like a right. good. I think it's good. Like, so those scenes. Yeah. And then look, the end of the movie, and I texted you last night. I had, we had our kid <laughs> friggin' six weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. My God. I'm watching this movie and I've seen it 10, you know, I said it when it came out 10 years ago. I forgot this is how this movie ended. The whole and I'll, I'm going to spoil it. And I'm sorry, but it's I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. The whole movie, his job was working in a factory where they made the rubber the sealant yeah, the coating, coating for power lines basically. for the power lines, lines. for the, for phone lines. Yeah. And it's a motif through the movie and like those telephone calls. You like see the power lines and you hear the kids talking. Like, oh, did you hear from David? Where's David? Where's David? Yeah. I won't get you find out about David. I won't even give it away, but you can imagine it's obviously under it's obviously tragic and yeah. it happens. And um so when all that happens happens, Robert De Niro goes back to New York because when he was in New York and David wasn't there, he saw a painting of David that David had painted yeah. that's clearly a complicated portrait of of Frank, of Robert De Niro. Yeah. And he goes back to the gallery to buy the painting and the painting has since been sold. And then the woman at the gallery realizes that it's David's father and she wants to do something nice. So like, oh, come back here. Maybe there's something in our archives. Um, and she finds and she's like, oh, yeah, this is this might be nothing, but maybe it'll mean something to you. And she turns it around and it's a painting of power lines. And Connor, Connor, <laughs> I... You know, I don't, I sleep on and off because I have my young baby. So we take shifts. I'm in the living room with my young son, Noah. 
who's like mercifully sleeping. As I finished, everybody's fine. It's like, I don't know, one thirty in the morning. <laughs> and she turns the painting over and Connor, I wept. I was like, <laughs> I just so was can like, I, can I burst your bubble like a little? Oh, burst it. It's, I mean, it's a shitty painting. Oh, whatever. I don't I, care. No, no, no. Cause and, and, and Brittany and I were laughing about it. Cause we, I, I agree with you on the moment. Like when it happened, I was like, Oh, this is nice. It's like a nice, and you know, listener, maybe it's been a minute since we've watched one of these movies. This movie is Dan Mecca. Oh, Ford, right. Oh man. I didn't even really, honestly, I didn't even think no, about 110%, it. But you're right. And everything you just described is exactly why. <laughs> but uh and, and, I'm, and i'm basically with you on it but the i it was so funny because Brittany and i were like laughing she turns the painting over and i'm expect like you know what it is kind of you know and then they do like the hard close-up on it and i'm expecting like a you know like a rockwellian version of power lines or like an edward hopper-esque ver- you know something very like americana uh, it's a bit simple, you know. He had his own and style, dude. They he said had his in the own movie. style. I guess that's a way to describe it. Connor's um, like, yeah, yeah, shitty. You no, know, no, no. Well, look, the painting in the beginning of the movie is a way better abstract painting or whatever. This looks. You know what's funny? You know what's funny about the painting at the beginning of the movie? Speaking of Mechacore. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? The drawing at the beginning of Great Expectations oh. that Ethan Hawke draws of. Robert De Niro, who yeah. plays the, the prisoner, the, the who prisoner. then becomes the benefactor. Spoiler yeah. alert for the Charles Dickens novel that was yeah, made. Yeah, that he draws as a from, child. Yeah, it's a okay. child. But my point is, my is simply, <laughs> it reminded me of my twentieth most favorite movie yeah. ever, Great Expectations. I yeah, no, no, it's that I just thought, and then they like double down on it because it's hanging in the house. Uh, and I forgot I had seen this movie, but I forgot basically about like the last ten minutes and what I actually thought was going to happen, which. Maybe, maybe, I mean, it's, it's, this is worse, but I also feel like not out of line for this movie is when she mentioned the painting sold, I thought it was going to be a thing where they bought it for him. Like, oh, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. And then, I and was it's like, not that it's not that. Cause the whole thing near the end of the movie is you, you get the idea. I, he's reconnected with his kids and they've all agreed, you know, promise that they're going to visit for, for Christmas. Right. So that's kind of where the movie puts a button on. It is a very like, uh. It is a very Rockwellian kind of close to the movie. It's pretty, I don't know. I think it's nice. I think this movie's basically nice. I think to your point, Dan, there's- Would you say this, would you say this movie's fine? Fine. I think it's fine. I think this movie's fine. Um, it's the, uh, yeah. Of the, of the kids, who's, do you think Beckinsale's the best? What do you think? I would, her or Rockwell, Barrymore's fine. It, it's just, I think she feels kind of like the odd man out a little bit. Yeah, Barrymore does have one of the best scenes where she's like, she asks. This is another relatable thing with someone of Robert De Niro's age. It reminds me of my grandparents a little bit, who are a little bit older than De Niro. But um, Barrymore asks him, what did you want to do? What were your dreams? And yeah. De Niro's like, I didn't. I never really gave that much thought. And I will say this. My grandparents, right, Depression era, mm. grew up in that, right? You know, not no money <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah sure they that's real right like they right. were like yo dreams 
No, bitch. we were just, he was I, like, like, I just wanted to hold dreams. down a job and I wanted to yeah. marry a lady and who was crazy that's enough real, to marry That's me. real shit. Yeah. I mean, that's real. No, he feels. That's real FDR. He feels like, like a well-drawn character in that regard. I agree. Like, and, yeah. and I do, I think everybody in this movie does as, as well, basically. Like, I think all the performances are pretty good. Um, back to Beckinsale for a bit. One another thing that I liked a lot about her performance in this movie, uh, when, particularly when he goes to the house and whatnot. And then there's the, there's a scene immediately after where he follows her to work and he, and he's like there, she, she's an advertising exec. Um, Ben Schwartz has a yeah, nice young, little young Ben Schwartz. Uh, the yeah. young Ben Schwartz has actually a pretty good little cameo as like this, like you know, young creative who's like pitching this TV spot or whatever. I love when people, I love, I love this. People say cameo where it's like at that moment in time, it was just a small role. Right but now that he's it now feels he's Ben like Schwartz, a it's a cameo. It's a cameo. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, it's uh, it's a funny little scene or whatever. But the that whole sequence, basically, like back in sales moment of the movie. I, I, I do think she's great because it's, it, she's so sort of honed clear and seemingly clearly good at her job. Right. And honed in on that thing and not in a way that I think, uh, I think a lesser movie would have really leaned into the workaholic shittiness of it or whatever. And it doesn't do that, but you do clearly and very subtly just see a person who's balancing a lot of shit right yeah and so well, and that her, brings it brings it back to what we said earlier sometimes her acting doesn't get enough credit where yeah, it's like she, small it seems like things. she's yeah it seems like she's not really doing much with this but what i love is because of that every response she gives to robert de niro to a certain degree is this kind of like cagey com but conversational like i'm gonna say exactly the things i need to say for you to just stop talking because i and can't I, deal I, with I, you right. on top of the shit that i'm already dealing with which again seems a little shitty given what yeah. de niro is going through and maybe it is but what i like about this movie is it draws these all of these characters well enough where it feels real and, and acceptable right where you're like I, and and i love how in the moment they have to tell de niro the fate of david the one who tells him is Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, because of course, that that, that is in, in in a real family. Yeah, that's who would. Is tell. she the oldest? Yeah. Is that yeah. the okay? I wasn't. And she, it's, they don't but really... it's also she. She's all. Uh, uh, at least I thought so. And also yeah. like, but she's, if not the oldest in age, the oldest in attitude. Yeah, she's right? like, like the one taking charge. You know, you know, right? and it's like, of course, she's the exact right. You know, no, that that's the other interesting thing is everyone else is an is an artist to some or a create, but I like creative, You know, a creative to some degree. Yeah, she's I, the I one who's like. Just I think that's right. Moves. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good little performance from her in a in a fine little film. Um, All right, so so rankings were are going to be different this time I, because of Laurel Canyon. So yeah, I would say it's funny though. Now I have to. So I guess I it's weird because okay, I would go. So obviously Laurel Canyon's one for me. Yeah, sure. And then I suppose it's everybody's fine. Yeah. And then it's ooh this uh well. Yeah, nothing but the truth and everybody's fine. I feel like are are two and three in, in interchangeable. And then I I guess it has to be white out and then tiptoes, right? And then yeah. what about you? No, I think I think that's basically correct. Like I I would say probably top to bottom 
I would put everybody's fine above nothing but the truth because I think there's just a a little bit more like I feel like nothing but the truth is for me. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like yep, the things yep, I yep. the things I like in it, the things I like in movies. Now, where I, do you put I, where do you put click? Oh, in in the Beck and Sale uh, of it all. No, I, do me I, a favor. Can I tell you, I I cry at click every time. Oh, yeah, I don't I, I don't have a problem with click. Um, can I can I um can I ask you to do me one favor? Sure. Just because, um, it will kill me if I don't. And if you can cut this out, if if it's hard to do, do me a favor and put in as we're ending this episode. Perhaps my favorite Kate Beckinsale line read where she plays Ava Gardner in one of my favorite movies, The Aviator. And she says to Howard Hughes, Leonardo DiCaprio, when Leonardo DiCaprio essentially offers to buy her the world, she says, Don't buy me any more diamonds or sapphires or any other goddamn thing. You can buy me dinner. How about that? It's a good line read. I can I you know what I in reference to that Carter interview, which is I can't stress enough, a great interview. I was somebody like you mentioned, Dan. You know, I feel like I never really had the Hollywood crush on her. Like, I feel like that spot, Rachel Weisz kind of slipped in and took that spot. And so I just, I never really disliked uh, Kate Beckinsale. It was just sort of, she never, it was never somebody I like fawned over or, or whatever. Sure. Um, but the, I watching that interview, the SAG after interview, I was like, oh, I'm in love with this person. Like she's- Right, her, she's, her candor she's is lovely. attractive. And yeah, yeah. and- um, Her Instagram, by the way, is is equally weird and crazy so yeah. i would recommend if you I, like her and and the her talking about the Ava Gardner thing i kind of appreciate it cuz i've and i've said this to you before on the podcast i i think her performance is fine in the aviator i just feel like she's like woefully miscast just cuz she looks nothing like Ava Gardner at least to me i but, just so but, vehemently disagree but, with you but continue. and she kind of sort of feels the same way i think a little bit more and maybe like a a bad sort of self-esteemy sort of way. She has that great bit though in the interview where she says like Bob Evans talked to her afterwards and he was like, you're way prettier than Ava Gardner. And, uh, and then she was just like, Oh, well, you know what? It's probably not true, but I'll take it. And I, uh, I just loved that, that little bit, but that is a um, nice bit. Yeah. But yeah, um, she's someone who I think, yeah, like, like I said, I, I think something like nothing but the truth, if that maybe gets a little more notice, it does 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 is there then a ripple effect that that maybe kind of does things a little differently um in terms of ranking i would say it's probably everybody's fine nothing but the truth uh then i yeah then laurel canyon then whiteout then tiptoes but the weird the weird thing is like I would maybe put Tiptoes above Whiteout because it's at least a like a fast, a more fascinating disaster. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like I would sooner tell somebody to watch Tiptoes, I guess. Now, um, uh, in terms of what's coming up, she's got Jolts, which is she plays a bouncer. It's an action movie directed by Tanya Wexler, which I'm excited to watch. That's cool. And El Tonto, she is in, which is the directorial debut of one Charlie Day. Oh, so uh, this is one of those nice cases where the stuff she has coming coming up, I think um, it, it seems like we're kind of what we want her to be doing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, she made an Amazon show called The Widow, which I watched, which is not great, but it is. I enjoyed it well enough. It's kind of an actiony uh, social issues drama. Um, kind of in the vein of like the Sean Penn, the gunman type of a thing. Sure. Not so not great. I mean, you know, but but. A little bit more interesting than that. Um, is that is it John Le Carre? Is it like a 
Is it based no, on anything? No, I don't anything? think it is. I don't believe maybe a book, but it's an eight, it's an eight, it got canceled. It's a one season eight episode, I believe, thing. Um, but um and that's it. That's Kate Bengazil. That's the crush. That's that's <laughs> that's my girl. Um let me just quickly say. Please give us a review uh, if you uh, like the podcast. Uh, I, as we were, as we were talking, I realized there's a couple we haven't read. I'll just shout them out. A couple five stars on uh, on iTunes. Great, so good. On the lookout for Nicole Kidman app. I'm awesome and I know it. Said, incredibly informative. The best. Love you guys. High exalt. High exalted. Said. Great concept for movie fans, uh, movie fans, Casey Crow. I followed over from the film stage main podcast feed and really enjoyed this concept of the show. I've been listening hey. since the beginning and wish you all the best in 2020. So we we appreciate those. Give us a review. That helps with everything, of course. Uh, and we really appreciate it. Um, you know, tell your friends, obviously. Uh, we love doing it. Um, and I'll throw it over to you, Mr. Connor, to, to close us out. Yeah, as usual. So you can find Dan on Twitter uh, at DJ Mecca. You can find uh, me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B-Side. As Dan said, please review, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff wherever you listen to these podcasts. It's extremely helpful. We like doing this for you, and we hope you like listening. Uh, and as it pertains to uh, as it pertains to Miss Kate. You know, I think I think your mileage may vary for some people, but we all know that Dan Mecca is back and sold. That's the best one you've ever done. <laughs>